is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Guys, thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off the Script. This is your AEW Revolution 2022 post show. I am your host, JD, from New York, and as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your early, early Monday mornings, wherever you may be. You know, man, it's uh, it's a great feeling. All, all I'll say is that it's a great feeling. It really, it really reminds me of what we had when Triple H did the takeovers, man. I, I used to come on here during the takeover shows, and I used to be dumbfounded as everybody else watching these shows. How do you talk about? What was such a great fucking show tonight, you know? It's such an amazing feeling when pro wrestling gets it right. And pro wrestling, for the most part, has not been right. And I think now tonight, after tonight's show, after Revolution, if you're not paying attention to AEW, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, man. I I really don't understand what you're doing. This is exactly how pro wrestling should be tonight. It had legitimately everything that you wanted. You wanted blood, you got it. You wanted fucking violence and blood and brawls, straight up fucking fist fights, you got it. You wanted pro wrestling, you got it. You wanted great storytelling, you got it. You got a hot crowd, as always, you got it in AEW. This show from top to bottom was easily AEW's best pay-per-view of all time. Easily AEW's best pay-per-view of all time. And this is exactly what we want as a fan base from our professional wrestling. I have nothing bad to say about this show tonight. Nothing. The only negative I would say, and it was a negative that I realized was going to be a positive, was that Thunder Rosa lost the AEW Women's Championship match to Britt Baker, and then I realized what they're doing for St. Patrick's Day Slam, and then I said, oh, I see what they're doing there, so we're going to get what we wanted to get tonight in just a couple of weeks, so it's going to be a little bit of a wait there. Outside of that little hiccup, AEW Revolution was absolutely worth every fucking cent that you paid. I felt like I got my money's worth in the first hour. 
This was a five-hour night. I'm going to give you guys another two at least here tonight. I wish I was there. I wish I was there, man. I went to All Out, and I saw Punk and Darby live, saw that cage match live with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, and the energy that was felt in that arena was absolutely unbelievable. You had the debuts of Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, everything in that arena, man. It it sat with me for, for days after that pay-per-view was over, being there live. The energy in Orlando seemed like it rivaled what happened in Chicago tonight. Everything was just from top to bottom perfect about this show. Tony Khan doesn't get enough credit, man. Everything about this show was spot on. Everything I just mentioned, the in-ring, the storytelling, even the match order was perfect. He does not get enough credit. And he's not perfect by any means, but man, oh man, when he gets it right, he fucking nails it every single time. Every single time. AEW is truly creating something special. They got the best roster in all of professional wrestling, and the future is going to be unbelievable with the acquisition of Ring of Honor and what we saw tonight, a couple new acquisitions that were debuted tonight at Revolution The future of AEW is absolutely tremendous. And I can't wait to dive into this tonight, guys. Thank you so very much for joining me on Off the Scripts. Everybody's speaking of WrestleMania, man. WrestleMania, WrestleMania. Tony Khan gave you WrestleMania tonight. There's no fucking way on this planet that WrestleMania tops what this show did tonight. No way. They got two nights to do it. And I'm telling you right now, it's not even going to be a possibility. There's nothing on that show that will rival anything that Tony Khan and AEW did tonight. Two hours, or two shows rather, two shows of WrestleMania. Not even going to come close. I was fucking, I was into my WrestleMania season just one hour into this show. Felt more like WrestleMania than WrestleMania season actually felt like WrestleMania season. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I appreciate you guys joining me tonight on Off the Scripts. This is your Revolution Post Show. It is early, early Monday morning. It is March 7th, 2022. It is unbelievable, man. Everybody's excited. Everybody's riding high after this. And it's very difficult to... It's very difficult to sit here after a show like this. It really is, man. I'm fucking... It's... I'm exhausted. I'm mentally drained. I'm mentally drained. And I'm full of excitement here at 1230 Eastern on the East Coast. We're going to do our best tonight. We're going to do our best tonight. There was a ton of stuff to dive into, man. The storytelling of the Punk-MJF match. The unbelievable match that opened the show between Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. That unbelievable tag team triple threat match for the tag team championships. Bucks, Jurassic Express, and Red Dragon. William Regal making his debut in AEW in the absolute most perfect way possible by literally slapping the fucking skin off of John Moxley and Brian Danielson, which was a great match in itself. Adam Cole and Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. That's what I call a main event, man. Loved every bit of it. Everything about this show was fucking tremendous. Follow me on social media, guys, at JD from NY206. Thank you to all the new followers on Twitter. We just hit 37,500 plus on Twitter. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me, tweeting live. Unbelievable feeling all over social media. Everybody buzzing with excitement. 
Make sure you guys follow me over there. It's the best way, best way to keep up with what's going on right here on the channel. Also on Instagram, at JD from NY206. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. All the live streams. Everything but Monday Night Raw. I did not cover Monday Night Raw this week. We did Dynamite. We did SmackDown. There was a couple of off the scripts thrown in there. One on Monday and then one on Thursday. Go check that stuff out. Talked about the Pat McAfee, Vince McMahon interview and everything that came out of that. Tons of stuff for you on the homepage. Go and check it out if you missed any of the content this week. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire is the place. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. If you guys want to rep some merch at any of these shows, man, Bonfire is the place to do that. Bonfire.com. And make sure you guys check out my sponsor for today's show, and that is Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice. Everybody loves something for free, man. Everybody loves some free shit. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. If you guys don't want to sign up and stay on, you guys can cancel after the 30 days. Keep your audiobook for free. It doesn't matter, man. You got that audiobook no matter what when you sign up. Also, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the stream and read through them all. Let me know what you guys think about tonight's show. What you loved, what you didn't like, what you're excited about moving forward. Dynamite should be big. And also, hit that join button. Become a VIP member right here on Off The Scripts. You guys get those custom emotes and those OTS badges next to your name to show off your VIP status. Hit that join button. Become a channel member and become an OTS VIP right here on Off The Scripts. The buy-in, man. Let me tell you something about the fucking buy-in. The buy-in started... At 7 o'clock. And this was basically Tony Khan giving us a rampage before AEW Revolution. That's how fucking crazy TK is, man. He gave us a goddamn fucking revolution buy-in that was resembled of a, or resembling of a AEW rampage. This was incredible. There was some great shit on this show, man, on the buy-in. We got Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander opening the show. Now, This was probably something that could have been saved for a rampage, a legitimate rampage, but he wanted to feature some of the women all over the show. Statlander got some shine, Hirsch got some shine, Jade and Tay Conti got some shine for the TBS Championship on the main show, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker got some shine, obviously, with the AW Women's Championship match. This could have been safe for Rampage, to be quite honest with you. But he gave us Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. It almost went 10 minutes. Statlander and Layla Hirsch had a decent little match here. Nothing really over the top, nothing crazy. But they're pushing legit Layla Hirsch in the ranks of the AW Women's Division. Statlander, I don't know what's going on with Statlander right now. It looks like she may be undergoing a little bit of a, uh, I would say, a gimmick change, a little overhaul. Seems like they may be doing away with the alien gimmick and kind of humanizing her a little bit more. She's been speaking a little bit more on her own behalf, cutting some promos, 
That wasn't really a thing for Statlander in the early stages of her AEW career. Now we're starting to see her come out of that, that shell a little bit more. So hopefully she does grasp that, and hopefully she gets better at that. Layla Hirsch, Layla Hirsch is a mixed, a mixed bag, Layla Hirsch. She reminds me a lot of Shayna Baszler. She's got that look. She's scrappy. She is not bad at all. But I I don't know if the majority of the fans are behind Layla Hirsch yet. So AEW is definitely pushing her into a spotlight. They obviously see something in her for her to have this spot. And I like to see different names and different faces get opportunities. So that's what they're doing with Layla Hirsch right now. Uh, She actually beat Statlander in a decent little match here to open the buy-in. And Statlander hit a backbreaker right away. As soon as the bell rung, uh, we got a backbreaker. Hirsch counted a springboard, started to beat Statlander down. So they're out on the floor. Hirsch trapped Statlander's arm behind the steel steps and drop kicked the steps into it. So obviously that was the story of the match there. She continued to target the left arm and hit a power slam to follow. Went for a near fall, got a two count. Hirsch then cut off Statlander on the top rope. She was ascending the top rope, trapping her in a tree of woe. And that left Statlander pretty much... Uh, defenseless at that point. So she went for a cross-arm breaker, and Statlander counted into a cradle. Hirsch slipped on a springboard, but Statlander recovered and turned that into a body slam. So they're in the middle of the ring. They're trading strikes, and Statlander won the exchange again with a backbreaker. We got a high kick and a blue thunder bomb to follow. That netted her in your fall. So both ladies moved to the apron. Hirsch reversed a Big Bang Theory and hit a Hurin Karana out to the floor, so they're back in the ring. Hirsch hit an Olympic slam and a German suplex bridge for a two count. She then locked on the cross arm breaker. Statlander's foot reached the ropes. Statlander countered double knees in the corner and brought Hirsch up to the top rope. So they were up there and it looked a little awkward. They had a little bit of a uh, weird exchange up there. They were jockeying for position. At the end of it, Statlander hit an inverted power bomb. She went for a cover, got a two count. Hirsch rolled to the floor. Picked up an extra turnbuckle from underneath the ring, and she hit Statlander with it. She then landed a stepped up. Uh, she landed a step up lion salt, and that netted her the one, two, three. And Layla Hirsch got the victory on the buy-in against Chris Statlander. After the match, Red Velvet ran down to check on Chris Statlander. So what they're doing with Layla Hirsch now is she moves into the top position. In the AEW women's division. So she's one of the top contenders for the women's championship. What they have going on right now with Thunder Rosa losing to Britt Baker tonight, which I thought was kind of shocking. And then I saw what they actually were doing and setting up. And I'm like, all right, I get why Thunder Rosa lost tonight. And I'm all for it. I'll tell you why when we get to that match. But they're doing Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa on Wednesday's Dynamite. And the winner of that match is going to get Britt Baker on the March 16th edition of AEW Dynamite, and that is going to be St. Patrick's Day Slam, and it's going to take place in San Antonio, Texas. So we all know what that kind of means. If, you, if you're reading between the lines there, you now know why Thunder Rosa lost to Britt Baker tonight at Revolution. This was a decent little match. I hope to see more of Statlander. She is a very good hand in that division. I'd like to see more of her. I'd like to see her in a little bit more of a prominent spot. And I'm very curious to see what they do with her gimmick as they're kind of, it seems to me anyway, 
that they're kind of transitioning her away from that uh, that alien uh, finger on the nose type bullshit that they had her doing. They're humanizing her a little bit more. It's going to be interesting to see what they actually do to kind of give her a little bit more of a grounded feel in the AEW women's division. You don't, you don't want to go too grounded. You don't want to go and, and abandon the entire gimmick completely. There could be little, you know, little aspects of the gimmick that remain. Otherwise, she's going to feel like everybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Statlander there. And Layla Hirsch gets the victory. She's now the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship. She will be battling Thunder Rosa on Dynamite. And that will have major repercussions for the AEW Women's Championship. We saw the return of Don Callis. Big Don is back. It's always great to see Don Callis, man. Always a master of the microphone is Don Callis. Tony Schiavone was standing in the middle of the ring on the buy-in and said that he had a special guest for everybody. Kenny Omega's music hit, and we're, everybody was like, oh, my God, Kenny Omega, the cleaner is back. But why would they bring out Kenny Omega on the buy-in? Everybody was like, oh, my goodness, Kenny Omega's returning. Why would you bring Kenny Omega back after a, a little bit of time off from injury and bring him back on the buy-in? doesn't really make any sense. So instead of uh, Kenny Omega, we got Kenny Omega's representation. In Don Callis. So he's in the ring and Callis yanked the microphone. Of course he did from Tony Schiavone and asked, what were you expecting? Were you expecting somebody else? Sorry, you don't get Kenny Omega tonight. He says tonight you're going to get me. So when he said that fans, you know, respectfully chanted, shut the fuck up to Don Callis. Always a great chant. I mean, how can't you like to shut the fuck up, Chance. So Callis said Omega was going to show up, but when he saw the card, he didn't, and Kenny didn't want to be anywhere near it. So he said he's confident the Young Bucks will win the tag team championships tonight. He said Adam Cole has shown up and has grown a super group within the elites or a subgroup. You might even call it a sleeper cell. Inside the elite, he says about Adam Cole and his undisputed era buddies. Said if Adam Cole wins the AW Championship tonight, he'll make a nice placeholder champion. So Don Callis already uh, watering the seeds that were already planted. You know this is going to be the major storyline going on into AEW's summer months. It's going to be whatever Adam Cole is doing with his undisputed era buddies against a returning Kenny Omega. And the elite, whether that means a, another blood and guts match, whether that means we have these two teams battling over trios championships or the world championship with Omega coming back and Adam Cole clearly, you know, wanting that championship still even losing tonight against Adam Page. It, it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous storyline. This is their summer storyline, the elite versus whatever Adam Cole is going to be calling his guys in AEW, the former Undisputed Era. So it's great to have Don Callis back, and it's always a pleasure to see him and hear him when he does have a microphone in his hand. But this means that Kenny Omega is probably due back relatively soon. I don't have a time frame on when Kenny Omega is actually due back, but he will be back fairly soon. That's the only thing I could really come up with here as far as why Don Callis is back. If Kenny Omega wasn't ready to come back, then we wouldn't have seen Don Callis tonight on AEW. Where are my hookers at? I know my hookers are in the chat. 
Hook got a huge reaction in Orlando. You know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but uh, Hook is really, really over. And Hook is really, really good as well. Looks like he's getting a little bit bigger as well. I don't know if you guys saw that watching the show tonight. He went one-on-one with QT Marshall on the buy-in. Taz was on commentary. And Marshall had a microphone, obviously, before Hook came out and said that he's learned during his successful career that if you want something right or if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. He says he's going to show his former prized students what being cold-hearted is all about. So then out comes Hook, and this was fairly short. This went less than five minutes Hook, as the bell rang, took QT Marshall down, locked in some submission holds. One was a bow and arrow right away. That forced QT to reach the ropes. He started laying in some strikes in the corner. And then he followed up with the famous T-bone suplex before sending Hook to the floor. T-bone suplex obviously was something that his father, Taz, made popular. So QT attacked Hook and went right for the throats. He went, th- he went for the throat and regained control of the match, but uh, Hook countered a pump kick, and he countered that into an exploder suplex on the floor. So we go back in the ring. QT grabbed the trunks and sent Hook face first into the turnbuckle. I mean, why not? Why not? The teacher is using nefarious means to get the advantage over the young student in Hook, man. It's a great thing to see. The students following the rules and the teacher cheating his way to a possible victory. So he sent Hook face first into the turnbuckle. Suplex and an elbow drop followed. He only got a one count. Hook got up at a one uh, a one count. Hook came back with a northern light suplex. That was a bridge. He got a two count. QT poked Hook's eye and landed a back suplex. I found it quite hilarious that QT was, you know, grabbing him by the trunks and using every which way to try and gain a cheap advantage, grabbing him by the trunks, throwing him into the turnbuckle, giving him the thumb to the eye, poking him in the eye. I found it to be quite funny that QT is going about all these different ways to try and beat Hook, and Hook is the one actually trying to win the match professional and clean. So after QT poked Hook in the eye, he landed a back suplex. Hook stopped QT from hitting a top rope move. Hook then landed an overhead throw, and then QT walked right into the red rum, and that was it. One, two, three, submission, all over. QT tapped out. And Hook is very much over, man. If there's one thing that Tony Khan has done as far as presentation for anybody in AEW, Hook may be at the top as far as what Tony Khan has done for anybody on the roster. Hook's presentation has been absolutely perfect. I would not change a goddamn thing. He's not overexposing Hook. Hook's show is, has been mainly rampage. He's getting some nice, solid victories over a bunch of undercard guys, getting in front of that live crowd. He doesn't really show any emotion to the live crowd, which I absolutely love because he shows up, he kicks ass, and then he leaves. But QT Marshall obviously has been the most talented guy he's been in the ring with. And this was less than five minutes, and he got a very... Uh, nice victory over QT Marshall. I, I want to see what Tony Khan does with Hook moving forward. Do we start seeing him a little bit more uh, now that he's getting those victories? Do we see him on Dynamite here and there? I, I, listen, I want to see Hook on a Dynamite. Just give me one Dynamite Hook appearance, man. 
I, I know he's been on Rampage for the most part, but we can start slowly, slowly integrating him into a couple of dynamites here and there. Not too many. Again, I don't want to overexpose him. But Tony Khan has been, as far as Hook is concerned, booking him as far as his presentation as well, perfectly. I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about Hook, and Hook is going to be something special, man. He really is a great thing to see. And this is the one thing I love about people like Hook, wrestlers like Hook. You see the journey that they're taking, and you see the growth, and it's very exciting to see. He's going to be something special, and I think a lot of people really do see that in Hook. So it's going to be a great thing to see as far as his growth is concerned. Easily, easily the best match on the buy-in. The House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and an in-ring debut from Buddy Matthews. This is something that I was very much looking forward to. Buddy Matthews' in-ring debut for AEW. This was against the Death Triangle. This was Pac and Pentagon Black and Eric Redbeard. Everybody was making a big deal about Eric Redbeard. He showed up on Rampage. He was the third man in replace of Phoenix because Phoenix is not ready to come back. And I saw it then, and I even felt it tonight. Redbeard is a great addition, though I don't think anybody's clamoring to see Eric Redbeard in AEW. And Eric Redbeard was only a part of this match because the House of Black were going to get the victory here. And more than likely, Eric Redbeard was going to take the pinfall in this match for the Death Triangle. I don't know what Alex Abrahantes is doing, but Jesus Christ, bro. I, I, love, I love Death Triangle. I love Penta. I love Phoenix. I love Pac. I, I did not even mind Alex Abrahantes doing the whole Penta says thing. But now that Penta has turned dark and he's a little bit more of a I guess in, I don't want to say edgy. He's always been edgy, but he's got the, he's got this dark vibe to him now. Alex Abrahantes has now followed suit and now has dressed his part in this entire act, and I find it to be very weird. I find it to be downright cringe, to be quite honest with you. And I don't mean that as a knock on Alex Abrahantes. I thought he's been a very complimentary part of the Lucha Brothers, but in this role. I swear to God, man, I look at Alex Abrahantes and I look at Resident Evil 4. I, I get flashbacks of Resident Evil 4, man. Resident Evil 4 is my favorite Resident Evil game of all time, okay? Some people don't like that. Some people think 1 or 2 is better. I think 4. I honestly think 4 and Village are the best Resident Evil games that they have in the entire series. But going back to Resident Evil 4, if you guys are familiar with the game, Alex Abrahantes reminds me of Osmond Sadler in Resident Evil 4. And that's not really a good thing to me. That doesn't really really speak to me. It's downright awful. So I think we should move away from that. He doesn't need to change his look to fit Penta. Let Penta do Penta and let Alex Abrahantes be Alex Abrahantes. We don't need Osmond Sadler on fucking AEW Dynamite, okay? This was fucking great. This was great. The trios championships cannot come soon enough. This is exactly what we are going to get every single time. Telling you right now, man, when those trios championships are born and they're debuted on AEW television, 
The trios championship is going to be the most exciting championship in all of the fucking company. And it's matches like this that are going to really spearhead that division. And I'm looking at the House of Black. I'm looking at Matthews. I'm looking at Black. And I'm looking at King as the first champions of that division. It's got to be. This team, this faction are just fucking perfect together. They look incredible together. I love Buddy Matthews' look tonight. He had the same look that he has in WWE or had in WWE. And his same ring attire in WWE, but it was all black. And I love it. Just a little subtle change. He fits so good in with Malachi. And it's the history that is just, you know, the the biggest takeaway from it. They have such great history. He's got that intimidating presence. He's got that huge fucking body structure he's got. He just looks legit. You're not going to fuck with the the House of Black. You weren't going to fuck with them anyway. And now that Buddy Matthews is there, man, this guy could fucking break you in half just by looking at you. I love it. This was Redbeard's AEW debut. I I don't think Tony Khan signed him to a full-fledged AEW deal. I think this was merely a one-off. He was only there to take the pinfall loss, and that's exactly what happened. He looked great, though. Eric Redbeard looked fantastic tonight, and he was very much over in Orlando. Pack and Black started it off. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Um, They went back and forth. He did make a, a quick tag to Buddy Matthews with Penta tagging in as well. Give me Matthews. Give me Penta one-on-one. You may have an AEW Classic on your hands. Anybody in the ring with Buddy Matthews, you may have an AEW Classic on your hands. So Penta sent Matthews to the floor with the Hurricanrana. Matthews met him on a dive attempt. Had a a little bit of a rapid-fire exchange and wrestled each other to what was a stalemate. Fans stood up and gave them a standing ovation. So then the crowd wanted uh, the big guys to enter the match. We got Redbeard and we got Brody King. They're in the match. They traded tackles and strikes. And the House of Black took out Redbeard's uh, tag team partners on the outside. Pac and Penta taken out. Redbeard landed a dropkick and a baseball slide, baseman dropkick, before taking out the rest of the House of Black on the floor. So we got the House of Black right now. Uh, They are just beaten down on the death triangle, overwhelming death triangle. Penta is getting his ass beat, and uh, he eventually makes a comeback. They attempted to isolate him in the corner. He escaped to reach Pack, who then took out Matthews with uh, some big-style big kicks. He climbed the ropes, and Black distracted. So Matthews then hit a draping DDT. King tagged in. And he absolutely chopped the living shit out of pack. It was fucking something that just rang out in the entire goddamn arena. So he hit a monster chop on pack. House of Black was beating down pack. So he was obviously being beaten down here. They were getting the heel heat on pack. He finally reached Penta. He entered the match. He was a house of fire, taking out all three guys in the House of Black. He took out Black and Matthews with Sling Blades, a Cazadora, and a Destroyer at the same time. Fucking absolutely beautiful. I think he tried to do the Cazadora on Brody King and then in one fluid motion hit a fucking Destroyer coming out of the Cazadora on Buddy Matthews and landed Buddy Matthews in a Destroyer. It was unbelievable. Crowd went legitimately fucking crazy for it. Penta went for the Fear Factor. Matthews countered. Redbeard got a blind tag. He came in with a somersault senton. He had a modified cutter on black, but Matthews came in to break up the pin. Then we get everybody in there. Parade of big moves. 
Uh, this uh, ended with Pack rolling Black up for a two count. So Death Triangle is in there. Uh, Death Triangle got the better of the House of Black here. Pack landed a big dive on the outside on Matthews. Penta wanted to do Made in Japan on the apron, but Black fought out of it. Penta recovered, hit Fear Factor on the apron. He was not the legal man, though. So Matthews took advantage of this, hit a curb stomp, and he got a near fall. So Black hit Pack with the Black Mass, and Redbeard tagged in, and he faced off with both Black and Matthews. He took out uh, Redbeard, caught a dive, and ran into a spinning heel kick. Redbeard struggled, and he was still on his feet. He got hit with the Black Mass. He was still up. And then Black sprayed mist in his eyes, and then King hit the Fire Thunder Driver for the 1-2-3, and that was pretty much the end of it. House of Black get the victory, and this was something that I wish was actually on the main show, but we got so much happening on the main show. These guys got a great spot right leading into the actual pay-per-view, and it goes to show you how much talent the AEW roster has, how, how deep the AEW roster is that these guys, Malachi, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, Penta, Pac, these guys landed on the fucking pre-show. I don't, I don't think that's a knock to them. I just think it's really a thumbs up to how deep the AEW roster is. And those Shrio Championships, man, matches like this are really getting people excited about those introductions to the Trio Championships. This is going to be easily... The most exciting division in all of AEW. I can't wait. In the House of Black, I'm looking at the first champions of AEW in that trio's division. Revolution. The actual show started off with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. I looked at this match and I'm like, hmm, this is a weird opener. I figured they would have started maybe with the tag team championships. Maybe with the women's championship, maybe Thunder Rose and Britt Baker opened the show. But Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, they started the show. And at the end of this match, I don't know what you guys thought about it. But at the end of the match, first I got to say, Chris Jericho looks fucking great. Whatever he's done as far as transforming his body in, in the time that he's, you know, I, I would say... Over the course of the last six months to a year, he looks fucking great. I don't know what he's done done with himself. I don't know if he's back on that DDP yoga regimen, but Chris Jericho looks fucking phenomenal. And he wrestled phenomenal tonight. This was easily the best, the best Chris Jericho that I've seen since the start of AEW. This was the best Chris Jericho match in all of AEW, period. This was the best Chris Jericho match since his match with Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. Chris Jericho looked fucking fantastic tonight. And I I have to let everybody know that. If you don't think so, I don't know what you watched. Eddie Kingston has always been great. The reason why we love Eddie Kingston is because he brings a level of legitimacy and realism to everything that he does. He's down to earth and he's real. And people love that. He almost doesn't come off as a professional wrestler. People just love him because of that underdog mentality. And a lot of people can really... Look at Eddie Kingston and kind of find some similarities with how he's come through the business and how he's got to fight for everything he's got. That's a real relatable thing, and that's why Eddie Kingston is really over with everybody. I don't think there's one fucking person that dislikes Eddie Kingston, and if you do, you got some fucking problems. You really do. This was the perfect opener. 
This was Chris Jericho's best match in all of AEW. I wouldn't say this is—I wouldn't say this is Eddie Kingston's best match. I honestly think his best match was with Brian Danielson on Rampage um, during that tournament, going into full ge- uh, going into full gear. But this was easily Jericho's best match in all of AEW. The story was great. The in-ring action was great. The crowd was great. The physicality was great. Everything was perfect. And this was the best thing that you could possibly open the show with. So, Kingston dumped Jericho right on his head with a half-and-half suplex right at the top of the match. I was in shock, almost, the way Jericho landed on his head. I'm surprised he actually was okay and continued the fucking match. I really was. That looked nasty. And that was something that scared the shit out of me right from the word go. He was all right. So a hanging neck breaker followed, only got a one count by Eddie Kingston. So they're out to the floor. Jericho sent Kingston into the barricade. He, he was acting, uh, acting kind of heelish here, if I was to say. But he flipped off the crowd, the Jericho. Several times he flipped off the crowd with the middle finger. Kingston hit an enziguri, and that just got Jericho really angry. So they traded some chops. Kingston pulled down his straps. He was running that signal, that singlet, and he pulled down his straps. That means he's ready to go. Jericho fought out of Eddie Kingston's machine gun chops that he does, and then he got him with an eye poke. Kingston returned the favor, hit a DDT for two. Kingston sold that his vision was impaired. He couldn't see. The selling in this match was fantastic. Jericho took advantage with some corner lariats. Jericho hit the 10 punches in the corner, and he hit an absolutely beautiful top rope Frankensteiner on Eddie Kingston. This, there was shades of old Chris Jericho in this match. It was a beautiful thing to see. So Jericho, again, like I said, he was healing it up, poked to the eye and flipping off the crowd with the middle finger. He then tried to expose the corner turnbuckle. He pulled the turnbuckle pad off at one point in this match. Kingston came back with an exploded suplex. They fought on the apron. Jericho suplexed Kingston straight to the floor, which looked great. They were back in the ring. Jericho avoided one of uh, Kingston's spinning back fists and hit repeated Germans on Eddie Kingston, the last of which saw Kingston land on top of his head. So, tit for tat here. Jericho was dropped on his head in the beginning of the match. Kingston was dropped on his, ha- on his head right towards the end of this match. That was followed up by a lion salt. That gave Jericho only a two count. Jericho fired back. He was getting a little desperate here at this point in the match. Big time lariat. Jericho countered uh, one of Eddie Kingston's moves, and he turned it into a walls of Jericho. Kingston had to fight to reach the ropes to break the hold. Jericho thought he won. He got in Aubrey Edwards' face, and this gave Kingston enough time to plant Jericho with a series of Saito suplexes. Kingston then hit the uh, the spinning back fist, and that got him a near fall on Jericho. Jericho kicked out. Jericho countered a Northern Lights suplex into a code breaker. He hit a German and another code breaker. Kingston was firing up. He hit two more ba- back fists. And that was the time where he locked in a stretch move, a stretch submission. He called it the stretch plum, I believe. Excalibur called it the stretch plum. And this was almost like a modified rings of Saturn. He's bending Jericho's arm back. He had his head locked. 
And Jericho tapped out. Eddie Kingston made Chris Jericho tap out to win this match. And Eddie Kingston finally wins the big one in the open of Revolution. And it was one hell of a fucking match. I loved everything about this, man. The physicality, the storytelling, the come-from-behind attitude of Eddie Kingston. Loved how Chris Jericho looked in this match. He looked fucking fantastic. I gotta I gotta say it again. I gotta stretch, uh, you know, just stress this again. Jericho looked great. And if we see more of this Chris Jericho, man, that's exactly what's gonna turn me around. Remember when Jericho was on TV and we kind of felt deflated every time Jericho came out and we were saying... Jericho needs to kind of go away for a little bit because he's just all over the place and nothing he's really doing is generating a lot of buzz. He got himself in great shape and he had a fantastic match with Eddie Kingston and I want to see more of this Jericho. This was awesome. At the end of the match, Kingston, the whole thing about this was if Kingston won, Jericho said he'd shake his hand in the middle of the ring. So Kingston was playing it up. He went over to Jericho. He put his hand out for Jericho to shake his hand And Jericho teased it, but he pulled his hand back and walked up the ramp. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Jericho... You know, there's that heel tendency again, that heel mentality. Poking the eye, giving the fans the middle finger, and he left Eddie Kingston hanging with a handshake that he promised leading up to this match. I don't know what this means for Chris Jericho, but it definitely leaves the door open for Eddie Kingston, and he won this match. I'd love to see Eddie Kingston continue to win these big ones in an underdog storyline where we could possibly see him vie for the TNT Championship. I think the AW Championship scene is a little too crowded right now, and I don't think it's really going to need Eddie Kingston, but if Eddie Kingston continues to win matches, I think there's a great story to be told there with him continuing to win matches, with this one being the catalyst, and then him going for the TNT Championship and winning the TNT Championship. So we'll see what happens with that, but this was an absolute perfect opener for Revolution, and both Kingston and Jericho killed it tonight to open the show. Speaking of killing it, I know we all love AEW's tag team division. Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express, they are your AEW tag team champions. Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, we know how fucking good they are. And the Young Bucks, maybe the best tag team on the planet, the Young Bucks. Triple threat match for the AEW tag team championships, and if you thought the opening match was fucking great, holy shit, this may be a match of the year candidate at the end of 2022. 
And I'm not surprised that it comes from AEW's tag team division. And it always seemingly comes from the AEW tag team division. And I love tag team wrestling, man. I really do. Jurassic Express retains the championships in this triple threat match. This was fucking all over the place. All over the place. Now, the rules of this match were a little different from what we usually see. Normally, if you watch a WWE show and and, and they do a triple threat match, which was a rarity uh, in their tag team division, meaning that they don't have any fucking tag team division, usually get, you know, one guy from each team in the match. But in this match, the rules were two in, one out of this three-way tag team match. So anyone could tag anyone. So we only got two guys in the ring at the same time, not three that we're traditionally used to seeing. So O'Reilly and Jungle Boy started this thing off, and the Bucks entered the match. Soon thereafter, Jungle Boy took care of both of them with his rope walk arm drag, which always looks great. Luchasaurus chopped down everybody. Red Dragon saved Nick from a choke slam. Jungle Boy then dove onto everybody on the outside, wiping out all four guys with a big dive. Red Dragon and the Bucks... Story here was, can they coexist? Now, I know it sounds silly, being that that, that both teams are vying for the same championship, but they're both a part of the same faction. So clearly you're going to get that camaraderie, and you're going to get that competitiveness, because they're both vying for the AW Tag Team Championships. But fuck me, Tony. Fuck me, TK. did, did, Did we really get a Bruce special on this show? Can they coexist? It's not really in the same way that Bruce does it, but AEW kind of dipped their toe into the can they coexist kiddie pool. No more. Let's not try and do that again, man. Let's save Bruce from Monday or Friday. We don't need Bruce on Wednesday. Please. We get enough of that. Anyway, uh, can they coexist? So obviously they're trying to work together here and they opted to work together. Bucks got a blind tag. O'Reilly took out Jungle Boy. Will they come back? Lariat. Fish wiped out Luchasaurus from the ring apron. So O'Reilly broke up a pin attempt from Matt Jackson. Obviously, this is starting to lead to some uh, tension between the Bucks and Red Dragon. So Luchasaurus got a tag. He landed some corner attacks on all four guys. Both Bucks got high kicks, and Red Dragon got an apron moonsault to the floor. Luchasaurus continued uh, his attack by chokeslamming O'Reilly onto Fish and landing a standing moonsault on Matt for two. Luchasaurus was very... Impressive tonight. His offense was impeccable. So shout out to Luchasaurus there. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus worked together to hit an Escalera Doomsday device for a two count. Matt super kicked Fish leading to O'Reilly tagging in and going to work on Matt. Fish and Nick Jackson did the same thing but ran into a Luchasaurus. Larry O'Reilly and Matt Jackson continued their fights. Jungle Boy got involved. O'Reilly hit his rebound lariat. Everybody was down after the rebound lariat. So Red Dragon stacked Jungle Boy up with an assisted German for two fish, hit an avalanche exploder suplex, and O'Reilly landed a diving knee to Jungle Boy's leg before locking on his knee bar. Fish landed a diving headbutt on Jungle Boy, and O'Reilly reapplied the knee bar, but Matt broke it up with an elbow drop. So tit for tat there, the Bucks and Red Dragon ruining each other's spots here in this match. So I guess no more uh, camaraderie between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Nick started a nice little run of offense. I love Nick Jackson's just high-speed offense as well. It it was fucking perfect. 
on his behalf. He was cut off by Luchasaurus, hit a choke slam, did Luchasaurus. O'Reilly got the big man down in a guillotine. Jungle Boy then broke up with a shooting star press. Everybody went fucking crazy for the shooting star press. I mean, he doesn't have to do a shooting star press to break up that hole, but it's Jungle Boy. He wants to impress everybody, man. Luchasaurus covered. Nick broke up, broke up that pin. So we got Luchasaurus here, right? We got Jungle Boy breaking up that with a shooting star press. Luchasaurus went to go cover. And then Nick Jackson broke up that pinfall with a fucking top rope 450. So these guys are just pulling out all the stops here. Matt Jackson eventually grabbed one of the AEW Tag Team Championships. O'Reilly used a distraction to hit Jungle Boy with it for a near fall. Red Dragon then got the high-low, which I thought could have been the end of the match. It was not. With Luchasaurus breaking up the pin, the Bucks then hit super kicks on Fish, Jungle Boy, and O'Reilly before Nick landed a step-up dive to Luchasaurus on the floor, followed by the BTE trigger. O'Reilly broke up that pinfall, and we are still going. Bucks wanted more bang for your buck, but Jungle Boy countered and hit a German. Luchasaurus then landed a step-up dive onto a pile of bodies on the outside. Matt rolled Jungle Boy up for a near fall, but then Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus hit my favorite finishing move in all of tag team wrestling right now, the Thoratic Express for the one, two, three, and that was it. Tremendous tag team title match. AEW doesn't do triple threat matches often. We got one on Rampage with Darby, Sammy, and Andrade, which was fucking fantastic. Maybe one of the best Rampage matches yet on Friday night. And that was a tremendous triple threat match. We got a tremendous triple threat match here with these guys. All 60 of these guys absolutely killed it. And the right outcome. Jurassic Express wins this match. It's way too soon to take the championships off Jurassic Express. You don't need... I actually predicted Red Dragon. And I think I said that because I got a close place in my heart for Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. They're fucking great. Young Bucks don't need the tag team championships. And at the end of all this, I saw Jurassic Express win, and I'm like, good. They're a great fucking tag team. They only had the title for two months. And Fish O'Reilly and Young Bucks do not need the tag team championships because they're going to enter a feud all to themselves. It's going to be the Undisputed Era. I I hate calling them that, but that's what they are to me. They don't really have a name, a stable name yet, because they're a part of the elite. It's going to be the Undisputed Era guys against the elite guys, and that you you don't really need the tag team championships for. So I'm glad Jurassic Express won. Jurassic Express is still your tag team champions. And I hope to see Santana and Ortiz slowly creep up the rankings. And then maybe we get Santana and Ortiz versus Jurassic Express for those AEW Tag Team Championships going into double or nothing. But the tag team division, from what I see, is in very good hands with Jurassic Express. Jungle Boy is incredible, and Luchasaurus had a big night for himself. Man, he looked fucking great tonight. So kudos to those guys First two matches, you could not ask for two better matches to open up a pay-per-view. So AEW, right out of the gate, is on fucking fire for Revolution. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, Get this guy out of the chat. Uh, Microsoft Tech Support, get him out of here. There you go. I don't believe you, you, you wait four weeks to chat in the fucking venue, and that's what you say. I'm sorry. The fuck are you here for? 
You know, it's 1.15 in the a.m. Microsoft tech support, right? The fuck are you supporting? It's 1.15 in the a.m. And you're here talking shit to me in my live stream with 3,400 fucking people watching me. Some life you got, bro. Where's your girl? Oh, yeah, that's right. She's getting fucked by somebody else, I'm sure. Or either that or you're some fucking basement dwelling geek with no life. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Anyway. So far, AEW is on fire. Match number three. Face of the Revolution ladder match. We got Wardlow, Keith Lee, Christian Cage, Orange Cassidy, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Winner of this match is the number one contender for the AEW TNT Championship. So we got three big guys in this match. We got Hobbs, we got Wardlow, and we got Keith Lee. Then you got Christian, Ricky Starks, and Orange Cassidy, man. So we got the big guys versus the smaller guys. So a nice mix of styles in this match. I was very much looking forward to seeing a couple of things here. This could have been a breakout performance for Will Hobbs. Wardlow is getting over and majorly over every single week. This is Keith Lee in this match, coming off his big debut. This is his second match in AEW. Everybody's going to wonder how he was going to fare in this match. Then he got Ricky Starks, who everybody wants to see more of. Christian, who's the master of the ladder matches. And Orange Cassidy, always pulling out something that's going to wow the crowd because he's fucking great at what he does. This was a perfect mix of styles, man. And it's very difficult in these ladder matches to remain fresh and original and creative. And these guys pulled out some shit that i never seen before. And I always look for something new. What are you going to bring to the table in a match where everything has basically been done? And they pulled out some shit that I never saw before. And kudos to all six guys. So... The three big men, Hobbs, Lee, and Wardlow, sent all the smaller guys, Christian, Ricky Starks, and Orange Cassidy, right outside. Orange re-entered and landed those soft kicks he does. Crowd is eating it up. Then, hopped on all three men's backs. He hopped on Wardlow, Keith Lee, and Will Hobbs' back. To try and reach the brass ring without the ladder. He used these guys. He used the size and the girth of these men. To try and reach the brass ring without the ladder, man. Awesome. I love when you see some creativity that early on in a match like this. Christian grabbed the ladder. Took almost everybody out at ringside. Starks set up one in the ring. He was pulled down by Orange who landed a hands-in-pocket dropkick before climbing the ladder with his hands still in his pockets. Christian stopped him, sent both Orange and Starks to the floor. Will Hobbs is not climbing the ladder, but Christian stopped him, hit a reverse DDT off the ladder on Will Hobbs. Looked great. Keith Lee came in. He's showing you his athleticism. He leapfrogged over Starks and Christian which is fucking impressive to see, man. A guy like Keith Lee doing a goddamn leapfrog over not one but two guys. Took them both out with a flying crossbody. Crowd went crazy. He caught Orange Cassidy in a hurrying Karana as he came off the top rope and used him as a weapon. Lee climbed. Wardlow challenged him to a fight in the ring. 
So Hobbs took both of them out with a ladder strike, and then he faced off with Ricky Starks, who is his stablemate in Team Taz. So they kind of shook hands, and then they ran up the ladder together, and they were reaching for the brass ring together, and they both crashed to the mat because Orange Cassidy disrupted the ladder and sent them both crashing down to the mat below. Orange Cassidy then picked up the ladder. He started using the ladder in a helicopter spin. Wardlow and Lee stopped the helicopter spin from Orange Cassidy and grabbed both ends of the ladder. Hobbs strapped Lee behind a ladder in the corner and tossed Orange onto the ladder. So we got Will Hobbs here. He then climbs up the ladder. Now just envision this. Keith Lee is in the corner, laying down in the corner. The ladder is propelled in a horizontal way, leaning against the turnbuckle. Underneath it is Keith Lee. Will Hobbs is then climbing this ladder as a staircase, and he's got Orange Cassidy up on the ladder in a superplex off the ladder. Now, you probably didn't notice this when you were watching the show, but with Keith Lee underneath the ladder, this is a, this is a terrifying spot for a guy the size of Will Hobbs. To do that to Orange Cassidy, Keith Lee was underneath the ladder and he was holding the ladder down. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's the man right there. Keith Lee is very attentive. He's the fucking man. He held that ladder down in the corner so that Will Hobbs could superplex Orange Cassidy off the ladder while it laid horizontal in the corner. Excellent stuff. Really good stuff there. So... Christian, after the superplex, speared Hobbs onto a ladder bridge. Starks dove through the ladder and took Christian out with a spear of his own. Wardlow cut him off as he was trying to climb up. So it was just Wardlow in the ring climbing, and he continued to climb up even with Starks and Orange on his back. They jumped on his back, and he started to climb up the ladder a little slower, obviously, with both guys on his back, but he started to climb up the ladder with both guys on his back. Hobbs met him at the top. Lee set up another ladder next to them. All six men climbed. So we got Arch Cassidy, Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Starks. They all fell off, leading to Wardlow and Hobbs meeting at the brass ring. So they started fighting each other at the top of the ladders. Big punches left and right, and they both crashed to the canvas. So Lee threw Orange onto Starks and Christian on the floor. He overshot Orange Cassidy. He fucking launched Orange Cassidy over the top row. He hit hard way right on the edge of the entrance ramp on the floor outside. Looked brutal. Back in the ring, Starks hit Christian with a low blow, climbed up. Wardlow came back into the ring. And then all of a sudden, Danhausen comes into the ring and he cursed both Starks and Wardlow. I guess he cursed Starks because Starks didn't win the match. Wardlow was immune so Dan Housen, Danhausen's curse. So Cage climbed the ladder. Wardlow cut him off with a powerbomb. Wardlow jumped his way onto a ladder bridge and powerbombed Starks onto it. Wardlow then climbed and unhooked the brass ring to win. Now, what happened to Will Hobbs and Keith Lee? They were not a part of this melee in the middle of the ring. Hobbs and Lee fought up the ramp to, the, to where the announce team was. So Wardlow was up there before he won the match. He tackled both of them off the stage, and they both went crashing through tables, and then Wardlow made it back into the ring. 
and ended up winning the match as he powerbombed Starks onto a ladder bridge, folding him up like a fucking accordion, and Wardlow climbed up. He unhooked the brass ring, and that was pretty much it. Wardlow is now the number one contender for the TNT Championship. Excellent ladder match. There was a spot in this match as well that I forgot to mention where Orange Cassidy, I believe it was the part where Keith Lee and Will Hobbs, or it might have been Wardlow, I forgot which one, uh, they grabbed the ladder after the the uh, helicopter spin, and he flipped forward up onto the ladder and tried to grab the brass ring while both of these guys are holding the edge of the ladder. Fucking incredible spot. I wish I found the gif of it. I wanted to tweet it out to everybody. This was a great ladder match, really fun. Everybody fit the fit their roles well, and nobody, especially with the big men in there, you don't really think of a ladder match with guys this size in there. They all fit into this match perfectly. Nobody looked out of place, and Wardlow wins. Wardlow is the right guy to win this. Will Hobbs, his time is going to come. He looks phenomenal, does Will Hobbs. Christian Cage was only in there because it gives... The match, that veteran presence, and that veteran experience. Ricky Starks, who doesn't want to see more Ricky Starks? Let's throw him in there. Keith Lee, this is a good spot for Keith Lee as well. You know, it doesn't overexert him too much. You know, he could work a slower style. He doesn't have to uh, go in there and wrestle a 20-minute match. Uh, and he could take some spots here and there to rest. And even though a lot of people predicted him to win, he didn't win. And it doesn't really matter because he didn't really suffer a pitiful loss here. He was a part of the match, and he was in there, didn't suffer pinfall, and he's going to show up, and he's going to continue to dominate like he usually does. And then Wardlow, this is the guy that's going to win the match. This is the guy that was always going to win the match. Number one contender for the TNT Championship. And it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this, because there was a little back and forth between MJF and Wardlow, where Wardlow, at first was supposed to win the TNT Championship and then give it up to Max. But MJF said, you know what? I'll say say this. I'll tell you this. You win that ladder match and you win the TNT Championship. If you win the TNT Championship, I'll let you keep the TNT Championship. And then he laughed. He laughed at Wardlow. (laughs) You're not going to win it anyway. I'll I'll give it to you. I'll let you keep it, but you're not going to win it anyway. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Wardlow, remember that from Rampage and Dynamite, or Dynamite rather, and he went on to win this match. So this is all playing into the long-term plan for Wardlow and MJF. So this was the right outcome. Nobody should have won this match but Wardlow, and I'm very excited excited to see where he goes. Man, he is incredibly over. Wardlow is incredibly over, and it's really a beautiful thing to see. The fans getting behind him so much, man. He's looking really, really good. AEW is going to have a major, major, major baby face on their hands when Wardlow is at that at that position and ready to just fucking break out. Tony Khan is going to have a major baby face on its hands. And it's a beautiful thing to see because, you know, he started from the ground up being a henchman for MJF and he's starting to break out on his own. And this, I would say, you know, a lot of people say AEW doesn't build from within and they don't have any homegrown talents that are going to get over as big, legit superstars. Wardlow is case in point. He's a homegrown guy. He's an AEW guy. He started from day one. And now look at where he is. The journey to watch Wardlow from where he was to where he is now is a fucking great thing to see. And I'm very excited to see where he goes 
And this feud with MJF, man, coming sooner rather than later. Shane Strickland. He's now All Elite. Shane Swerve Strickland signed his AEW contract tonight. Tony Schiavone introduced him and brought him out as AEW's newest acquisition. This was great. I'm glad that he didn't get added to the show in a surprise element. There were some rumors that he may be a surprise seventh man in the ladder match. And I'm glad that they ushered him out and had him sign a contract, making it a formality here tonight with Tony Schiavone. And I love this signing. I I really do. So he offered Shane Strickland a contract. Strickland walked out in a suit. He looked great. And he looked around with his sunglasses on. And he encouraged fans to chant along with him, Whose house is it? And everybody in Orlando chanted, Swerve's house. No, he's not going to get over it all. Swerve is not going to be over on AEW television, man. I don't, I don't know what uh, WWE uh, is missing out on here. This guy's going to be a good, good signing for AEW. This is going to be a breakout for Shane Strickland more than any other time in his career. This is going to be a perfect fit for AEW. And the rumor is that they wanted to sign him as soon as he was let go. They had to wait the 90 days, obviously. But they got him. They were interested in him early. And they're really liking what they see because they see some crossover potential with other, you know, Warner outlets and some other Warner shows. Maybe he gets on some TNT, TBS shows. They, they want to do more with, with, with Swerve. And they see a lot of breakout potential in Swerve. So this is going to be a great deal. The dream matches that this guy is going to have is fucking crazy, man. So, so undervalued in WWE that they let not only him, but all of Hit Row go. And they saw nothing in them. And you guys know how I feel about Swerve. Swerve is great. I was a fan of his as soon as he showed up in WWE. I was a fan of his dating back to his Lucha Underground days. And he only got better in NXT. I was hoping that he would have a breakout performance. I remember when he was in NXT and he didn't really have it there. He was just very ordinary. They didn't really give him anything to get behind or, or, or anything to do. He just felt like everybody else. He didn't have a gimmick. He didn't have direction. And then all of a sudden, Hit Row was born. I'm like, that's it. That's going to that's gonna make him the breakout guy in WWE. And they had him ready to go. And they let him, they let him go because of budget cuts. It's unbelievable. Of all the fucking guys, you let him go? Criminal. It's downright criminal what they did to him. Tony Khan was interested in him. He brought him in immediately. And now he's in AEW. And he's going to do great things in AEW. Jeff Hardy is about due. It's March 7th. He may show up on Dynamite for all we fucking know. I don't know when his actual 90 day is up with WWE. I don't know if it's going to be on Wednesday or the following day, March 8th or uh, 10th rather. But Jeff Hardy is about to debut with AEW as well. So this is going to be a big week for AEW. And Swerve is going to do great, great things. In all elite wrestling. Very happy to see him here. And another breakout star on Tony Khan's roster. Jade Cargill. She went one-on-one with Tate Conti. This was not as bad as I expected it to be. I thought this was going to be a uh, let me get up and go to the kitchen type of match. But I'm glad I did not. 
miss this match. Jade was dressed up in very Mortal Kombat-esque attire. And she looked good. And I will say this, man. You know, Jesse and I have been very, very hard on Jade because there are some moments where she looks great and there are other moments where she doesn't look good at all. But ever since the news was reported that Jade Cargill has been training with Brian Danielson, she has gotten a lot better and it's very noticeable. Shout out. To my boy Daryl in the chat. Holy shit. Daryl in the middle of the live stream donating a bomb of $500. Unbelievable. This is what happens when everybody comes together to talk about what we love most, and that is professional wrestling, man. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, brother. You are a lifer, VIP. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, And everybody, the Super Chats will be read at the end of the show. Just like Daryl, we will be reading the Super Chats at the end of the show. Thank you so much, brother. We love you here, and we're glad to have you. Like I was saying, Brian Dennison is uh, training Jade Cargill, or at least he has a hand in what Jade is doing right now. And, And like I said, it is very noticeable. She looked a lot more comfortable out there, a lot more fluid, She looked a lot less clunky in the ring. So whatever he's doing is quite noticeable right off the bat. So Conti got in Jade's face. Jade kissed her right on the lips for whatever reason. I I don't know why. I don't think anybody was really complaining. But she kissed Tay right on the lips. Jade immediately went for Jaded. Conti fought out, looked for an armbar. Neither woman could establish any sort of advantage here early on until Conti started to hit some judo throws and some pump kicks. That followed up with a swinging DDT. So now we're out to the floor, and Jade took out Anna Jay, who was obviously in Tay's corner. She took Anna Jay out with a pump kick. Back in the ring, Conti rolled up Jade for a close two count. Jade ran into a chair shot from uh, Anna Jay and rolled up for a good near fall. By Conti. Conti then hit the DDT, her version of a DDT, for another near fall. Jade blocked the Tay KO and hit the Eye of the Storm before landing a beautiful frog splash. This was Jade's first attempt at a frog splash off the top rope, and she nailed it perfectly tonight. Frog splash only got her a two count. So Anna Jay's back on the outside. Another distraction from Anna Jay allowed Tay Conti today. Straight pile driver. On, on Jade Cargill. Conti then climbed the ropes. Jade stopped her, pulled her down, hit Jaded, and that was pretty much it. One, two, three, and Jade Cargill easily retains the AEW TBS championship. Good stuff. It was the exact length it needed to be. It's another win for Jade Cargill over a decent opponent, and she continues to dominate the AEW women's division At the end of the day, you have to wonder who's going to take down Jade Cargill and take that TBS championship away from her. At this point, I don't know. I don't really know. We got the women's Owen Cobb coming up. I don't know what Tony Khan is going to do for that tournament or what the winner of that tournament is going to get. 
It may be a trophy and a title shot. It may be just a trophy and no title shot. I, I have no idea. But I do think the winner of that tournament should really be the number one contender for the TBS championship and Jade Cargill. Whoever wins that tournament, I don't know. So we'll see what happens and what Tony Khan has planned for the Owen Cup. That's going to be starting in uh, the next couple of weeks. So we will see that on Dynamite. And I do think that whoever wins that tournament should be a number one contender, whether for the TBS or the, T- or the Women's Championship. It's got to be a number one contender for the Women's Championships coming out of that Owen Cup. And we may have um, Jade Cargill's next opponent coming out of that tournament. So we'll see what happens. Dog collar match between MJF and CM Punk. I saw a lot of people on Twitter tonight complaining about several different aspects of this match. Oh, it's too slow. Oh, it's too bloody. Oh, it's boring. I don't really know what you guys want when it comes to what we got in this show up until this point, and then we get this match. I don't know what anybody really expected here. Did you expect the same type of match that we got in the triple threat match for the AEW Tag Team Championships? All over the place, no real rest, no slow spots. Everything was going 1,000 miles an hour. Is that what you wanted for MJF and CM Punk? I don't, know, I don't know why people need to be so picky when it comes to certain things. First of all, MJF and CM Punk, they're not about to go in there and give you a 1,000 miles an hour. They're about to go in there and give you real, raw fucking storytelling. That's what this whole feud has been about. Storytelling. Whether it's verbal or it's been in the ring. Look at the last match that MJF and CM Punk had. It was a fucking 30-minute-plus story-driven main event on Dynamite. I don't know why you guys expected anything else from these two guys. CM Punk is about perfection. MJF is about storytelling. They're both rich in storytelling. MJF is a beautiful take on the old school. So is CM Punk. You put these two guys in the ring, they're going to create magic together. And if you don't enjoy what these guys did, I don't really know if you can consider yourself a professional wrestling fan. It's a dog collar match. You're going to get story-driven in-ring, and you're going to get violence and blood. They gave you a mixture of everything. I don't see why there is a need to complain here. This match was great. Great. The fucking execution of everything and the storytelling was brilliant in this match. CM Punk wins. And I'll go over why I I don't mind CM Punk beating MJF here. It all kind of led up to CM Punk winning. After after Dynamite and the promo that we saw from Punk on Rampage, there was no other choice but for CM Punk to win this match. MJF is going to be fine. Don't worry. MJF is going to be fine. So they both have the dog collar around their neck. Obviously, you see the dog collar tied at both ends. Both guys tied at both ends, and you got this long metal chain. You guys know a dog collar match. I don't need to go over the rules. It's just a regular match with both guys tied, both guys tied around the collar, and you can use the chain as a weapon in the match any which way you want. There's not really any way you could go without the other guy, so it does make for some compelling in-ring action. Punk tried to pull MJF in. To him, using the chain, MJF whipped it into Punk's face. Punk was able to hang MJF over the ropes a couple of times with 
the dog collar. He then used the ring post as a as uh, an assist in this case to drive MJF into the turnbuckles. He wrapped the chain around the steel post and started using it as an assist uh, to drive MJF into the turnbuckles. MJF then tried to beg like the fucking coward he is, but Punk wasn't having it. After everything he did on Dynamite, he's going to really beg CM Punk to stop? No way. Punk landed the 10 punches in the corner, wrapped the chain around his fist. MJF used the chain to tie Punk up and hit a thrust kick and a powerbomb. So we got MJF countering a running bulldog from Punk and laid in some chain-wrapped fists right there. So Punk had his face busted open at this point. He's already started bleeding blood. He's got the crimson mask already. MJF demanded a microphone. He obviously got on the microphone. This very much reminded me, I don't know if you guys got this vibe, this very much reminded me of the Royal Rumble between The Rock and Mick Foley in that I Quit match. This was very reminiscent, very reminiscent of what was going on between those guys. So Punk hit, um, well, he's busted open this, but MJF demanded the microphone. He told Punk to tell these people that he is going to quit and tell these people that you don't care about them. So Punk told him to eat shit. He went up a little bit later. Let's speed it up. A little bit later into the match, he climbed the top ropes. He had wrapped a chain around his elbow. MJF avoided an elbow drop. MJF then rolled to the floor, and he pulls out a small black bag. Now, you guys usually know when you pull out a small black bag from underneath the ring, in the black bag, there are thumbtacks. Always. Either that or, uh, or Lego pieces. I think I would uh, rather take the thumbtacks over the yellow or, or over the, uh, the the Lego pieces. So he he pulls out a bag of thumbtacks. Uh, thumb thumbtacks. He pours the thumbtacks in the ring. He empties the bag. He landed Punk's rising knee in the corner. So he's using Punk's own moves against him. Punk countered the bulldog by biting MJF's hand. MJF tried to knock Punk down into the tacks. There were a couple of. Uh, near close encounters where Punk was going to fall over onto the, th- uh, the thumbtacks. So that went back and forth. Punk wasn't um, going into the tacks at this moment. They teased doing some moves onto the tacks. Punk tried to do a suplex. He wasn't strong enough to get MJF over. MJF did the same thing. Couldn't get Punk over. Punk finally took MJF down with a high kick. So now they're on the top rope. MJF was about to be Pepsi plunged into the thumbtacks. And then he crotched Punk over the top turnbuckle before hitting a superplex onto the thumbtacks for a near fall. So uh, Punk went into the thumbtacks. More uh, more of his ass went into the thumbtacks than his actual skin and his back. So he did go into the thumbtacks. So the chain became unhooked from MJF's collar. So MJF called for Wardlow to come down to the ring and officially put the chain back on him. Wardlow came out. He had just won the ladder match earlier in the night. Comes strolling down to the ring nonchalantly. And he had this suit on. He looked really, really dapper, did Wardlow. MJF demanded the Dynamite Diamond Ring. So he goes into his pockets. He can't find it. Where, 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 did I, where did I put the dynamite diamond ring? He's going into his pockets and his jacket. 
And then, and then he's like, I, I, don't, I don't have it. I don't have it. He couldn't find it. Punk used the distractions at MJF with the GTS, with MJF taking this bump onto the tax. So he got hit with the G- GTS, and then he falls into the thumbtacks off the GTS. Wardlow, all of a sudden, suddenly finds the Dynamite Diamond Ring in his right pants pocket. He pulls out the Dynamite Diamond Ring. He does one of these deals. And then he slips it into the ring. Now, he doesn't give it to CM Punk. He slips it into the ring. Punk uses it, knocks him out, and boom. That was it. One, two, three. MJF takes the pinfall loss from CM Punk. And CM Punk wins what was a very bloody and very storyline-driven match with this dog collar match at Revolution. Awesome, awesome stuff. And CM Punk is the victor. Now, a lot of people are questioning the outcome of this match. Was it, was it right for Punk to win over MJF? And at the end of the day, I'm going to say yes. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to say yes. MJF winning this match, you know, I honestly think it would have made Punk look a little weak if he lost this match, especially after the the suckering in of... CM Punk by MJF kind of developing sympathy for MJF and then he turned on him. If 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 MJF, you know, went on and won this match, then I don't think Punk really would have looked good in the end here. And you don't want to make CM Punk look look bad. So he had to get the victory. He got his revenge over MJF for now. This is it. This is the end of it for now. But there is an open door for this to continue on. And for MJF to get his vic- uh, get his victory back over CM Punk. Now I-, I know Jesse and I talked about it on Wednesday, and and I raised the discussion of CM Punk possibly winning an AEW championship and being the guy in AEW. Now is he back to win championships? Who knows? Does Punk want to win the championship? Who knows? But at the end of the day, Punk is going to put over the talent that he feels needs to be put over and the talent that's going to be the face of the company. MJF is going to be the face of AEW. If CM Punk goes on from this, and this is what the storyline's been about, you know, he's, he wants to beat MJF, he also wants to throw his name into the world title picture. A win over MJF was definitely going to do that. It was laid out right from the word go in this thing, right from the very beginning. They both wanted it. So Punk beats MJF. Punk is going to get his world championship match at some point later this year. And if he wins the world championship, then it could set up a third match between Punk and MJF for the AEW world championship. And we all talked about, you know, MJF beating Adam Page for the world championship. It's a possibility that 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 could still happen. But what if we get CM Punk winning the world championship before MJF And then later on down the line, maybe at the end of the year, going into full gear or going into next year's revolution, maybe we get MJF beating CM Punk in the third and final match in this feud, really giving us that long-term storytelling, that long-term booking. And MJF gets the ultimate revenge, gets his victory back over Punk, while at the same time winning the AEW World Championship. I'm just thinking ahead. I don't know what Tony Khan's got planned. I don't know who's next for Adam Page. I don't know where MJF or CM Punk go after this. But, I mean, this is match number two 
in the MJF CM Punk saga. Now they're 1-1. MJF got the victory in Chicago. CM Punk got the victory in Orlando. Who's to say that CM Punk doesn't win the world championship and MJF gets the ultimate revenge and gets his victory back while winning the AW World Championship over CM Punk? It could happen. It could really happen. This was an excellent match. The storytelling was off the charts. It was brilliant. Both guys are fucking flawless. They're geniuses. They're a master of their fucking craft. And a lot of people complained about this match. Oh, it was slow. It was boring. The crowd was, was taken out of it. This was everything you wanted. AEW gave you a whole bunch of shit earlier in the show. And now we got a match like this to slow the pace down a little bit and really give you that taste of real long-term fucking just heavy in-ring storytelling. So I don't know why anybody complained about this match. This was awesome. This was awesome. And and this is far from over. I I really believe that this is far from over. I do think CM Punk and MGF will again meet somewhere down the line. Now, Wardlow clearly turned. Wardlow is breaking out. This was a coming-out party for Wardlow tonight. Not only did he win the ladder match, he's now the number one contender for the TNT Championship, and he turned on MJF. That quote by MJF, that little statement by MJF, oh, you, you know, you could, you could win the TNT Championship, but we know you're not going to do it. You know, that really got to Wardlow, and that was the foundation of his turn. That was the basis for him turning. So when Wardlow gets his TNT Championship match, you now know that MJF is going to have a, uh, a say in that. He's going to fuck Wardlow out of that TNT Championship. Wardlow's not winning the TNT Championship. MJF is definitely going to have a lot to say about that one. He's not going to allow Wardlow to be better than him And he's not going to allow Wardlow to look better than him. So, you know, MJF is going to take that title opportunity away from him and have his final say. Very interesting stuff, man. They had a great match, MJF and CM Punk, and they forwarded this storyline with Wardlow and MJF as well. So while MJF is now doing Wardlow and taking care of Wardlow, we got CM Punk going on to do what? Maybe we don't see him. I don't think we should really see CM Punk after a match like this for a couple weeks, but... You know, what does CM Punk do next? Does he go after Adam Page? Could be. It really could be. So we'll see what happens. Very interesting stuff here coming out of the dog collar match at Revolution. We got a new women's championship. We got a new women's championship, man. Britt Baker no longer has that little tiny women's championship. AEW had a new women's championship made. It falls in line with all the others, and it looks absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thunder Rosa, the number one contender against Britt Baker. Britt Baker was obviously there with Rebel and Jamie Hayter. This match went almost 18 minutes, and Britt Baker beats Thunder Rosa via nefarious means here at Revolution. I don't know what it was about this match. I don't know if it was the crowd that was taken out of it because of everything we have saw up until this point. I don't know if it was the lack of storytelling that got us to this point. I don't know what it was. But this match, to me, didn't really come off as exciting as I expected it to be. Something was really off in this match. I'm not saying the women didn't work their ass off. I just didn't think this lived up to the hype and the expectation that everybody had going into this match with these two ladies coming out of their unsanctioned match last year. I don't know what it was, but this match felt flat to me. And the outcome that we saw 
I was a little taken aback by it. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay, I see why they did it and what they did and where they're going. But the match itself, it, it, it honestly didn't do anything for me. I, I, I've seen better from both Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. I, I don't know what it was. The crowd was taken out of it. I don't know why they were taken out of it so much. There could be a, a multitude of reasons. But I, I feel like the crowd was partially dead for this match. And why would the crowd be dead for this match when everybody was looking forward to Thunder Rosa potentially winning the championship? Something seemed off. There was a rumor about Thunder Rosa maybe being injured. She dumbed down those reports saying that it was bullshit. I don't know what it was. It just felt like both ladies were not on the same page. And the reports about Thunder Rosa being hurt, she may be hurt, but she dumbed down the reports and said that she really wasn't hurt. And people in the back vehemently expressed that Thunder Rosa was not hurt and she was going to continue on with this match. I I, I don't know what it is. But the match did not feel as special as it should have felt tonight at Revolution. And the story, I feel like like the the whole story about this match going into the title match tonight, I I really felt like it was kind of rushed. Honestly, they, they, they included Mercedes Martinez in this, and they had Britt Baker hire Mercedes Martinez to take out Thunder Rosa, and Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez fought, and then they kind of became uh, friends, and they respected each other after that, and they were helping each other out. There's not really much there coming out of the unsanctioned match. I, I felt like it should have been a much bigger deal. A much bigger deal. I wouldn't have even done the match tonight if that was the case, but Tony Khan has a vision, and I'll get to what that vision is in just a second. It did not click with me at all. At all. Very off was this match. Um, Neither woman really established anything early on, and they went back and forth for a little bit. Baker avoided a corner elbow, hit a neckbreaker on Rosa to hit uh, that and gain the advantage. She distracted the official in this match. Jamie hit her on the outside, attacked Thunder Rosa. Baker continued to own Thunder Rosa up until this point using, obviously, illegal tactics to maintain the control in this match. Rosa finally started to make a babyface comeback after uh, a decent little beatdown. Came back with the German. She followed it up with some drop kicks to Baker's back and then to Baker's front. Northern Light Suplex was, uh, was nailed for a two-count. Baker countered an iconoclasm into an air raid crash for a two-count of her own. She then hit a pendulum suplex, which looked sloppy, for a two-count, and then a butterfly suplex for another two-count. Rebel passed Baker the black glove. It's time for the lockjaw. Rosa surprised her with a running dropkick. She then hit a superplex and floated over into a fireman's carry neckbreaker. Sliding lariat got her a two-count. Baker fought out of a fire thunder driver attempt, hit a neckbreaker and an underhook suplex for two. Then they traded back and forth cradles. Baker hit an avalanche air raid crash. Rosa went for a tombstone, but Baker counted it. Then Rosa rolled through for another cradle. Then she eventually hit the tombstone. And Rebel distracted the official as Rosa got the three count. But clearly the referee was distracted by Rebel. And the count was not made. Rosa took care of Rebel before they traded more cradles back and forth. Jamie Hader passed Baker the belt. Baker hit a curb stomp onto the belt on Rosa for a near fall. Baker went for the lockjaw. Rosa turned it into a lockjaw of her own. Then Britt Baker bit down on her fingers to break the hold. Rosa then transitioned into a straitjacket sleeper. Rebel distracted the official as Baker was tapping. Rosa then speared Rebel to the floor. 
Both ladies hit hard. And then she took Jamie Hayter down with a vicious lariat. Rosa came back into the ring and Baker hit the curb stomp as Rosa re-entered the ring immediately. One, two, three. And Britt Baker retains the AEW Women's Championship. This was off. Something about this felt off. Britt Baker gets the victory. Obviously, Jamie Hayter and and Rebel were a, a big assist to Britt Baker. Like I said before, AEW announced Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW uh, number one contendership to the Women's Championship on Dynamite. The winner of this match gets Britt Baker in San Antonio, Texas at St. Patrick's Day Slam on March 16th. So it will probably end up being Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker again for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, when Jesse and I talked about this, we called either for Revolution or Double or Nothing, Baker versus Thunder Rosa in the main event of either one of those shows in a steel cage match. Now, it looks like we are fast-tracking Thunder Rosa to get her rematch not at Double or Nothing, but at St. Patrick's Day Slam. This is why I love these themed shows. It gives Dynamite a meaning, and it makes it a bigger feel. Makes it more important than a, than a regular Dynamite. So these theme shows obviously pay off very well for Tony Khan. We're going to get the Steel Cage match. I truly believe we're going to get the Steel Cage match on Wednesday's Dynamite. I do. I think it's going to be Rosa and Baker in the main event in a Steel Cage match. And Rosa's going to win the Women's Championship in her hometown of San Antonio, Texas. And that's going to be a great send-off for Thunder Rosa. I think that's going to be a great title victory for Thunder Rosa there to crown her champion in her hometown. A lot of people were very thrown off by this outcome. A lot of people expected Thunder Rosa to win this match. And a lot of people are still upset. They wanted Thunder Rosa to win this match tonight. I'll tell you what. I would take the outcome that we got tonight and do the title change in Texas any day of the week. Now that I know what their plan is and what they're they're looking forward to doing, I would take the vision that Tony Khan is doing now with Thunder Rosa winning the title in San Antonio, Texas, over anything that he may or may not have planned tonight. Everybody wants Thunder Rosa to win the championship. She's going to win the championship. It's just going to take a little bit longer. It's going to be another couple of weeks, but we're eventually going to get there. So don't be so upset about the outcome that you saw tonight with these two ladies. The outcome is going to come and have Thunder Rosa crowned in her home state of Texas. And you can't beat that. It's going to make it feel bigger. It's going to make it seem more important. And it's going to crown Thunder Rosa the new queen of the division. I only hope that A, she's not hurt, and B, she has a much better match that she had tonight with Britt Baker because tonight was not, it was not what I expected it to be. It may have been one of the worst matches of the entire night. And I'm very upset about that. I'm kind of disappointed in that. But if there's anything that's going to happen here, both of these ladies are going to look back at this and they're going to come out firing with all cylinders on St. Patrick's Day Slam. So I would not be too hard on them because the outcome is going to be a lot greater than what the outcome would have been tonight if Thunder Rosa won. So just be patient. We're going to get there, and it's going to happen on March 16th. John Moxley. He went one-on-one with Brian Danielson. This went 20 minutes. This was an awesome fucking match. Awesome, awesome match that saw the debut of one William Regal. This was fucking awesome. The match itself. I've seen a lot of people also complaining about this match. Oh, it's slow. Oh, the match, 
had the crowd taken out of it. The match was too long or was not good enough or the crowd was dead for this match. I don't know what you guys want from John Moxley and Brian Danielson. There was a we want violence chant to start this match off. I mean, right from the word go, you knew what you were going to get. These guys said that they want to bleed together and we got blood. You guys wanted a fight, you got a fight. You guys wanted a wrestling match, you got a wrestling match. This is the best Brian Danielson that we have been given. This is the best Danielson that we've had the pleasure of, pleasure of watching. And John Moxley is no slouch himself. John Moxley looks fucking great. So they actually started the match off after We Want Violence chants. They performed some technical wrestling before going out to the floor. Moxley gave Danielson a slap. Danielson came back with a snapmare, soccer-style kicks. Moxley invited Danielson in for some slaps. Danielson obviously said yes. Moxley came back with some hard chops of his own. So Moxley and Brian going at it. Danielson tried to evade some corner attacks with a flip, but Moxley took Danielson down with a lariat. Moxley laid in some kicks until one caught, or one was caught, and turned it into a dragon screw. Danielson laid in some yes kicks, and Moxley was on the defensive. Danielson targeted Moxley's midsection. Some chops by Brian woke Moxley up. He fired up until Danielson cut him off with some more kicks. Danielson went for a diving headbutt. Moxley rolled out of the way. Danielson kept up the attack with a knee lift and a corner drop kick. Moxley started making his comeback with a German and then a Saito suplex. Ran into a roundhouse kick. Brian applied a flying guillotine. Moxley fought out of it. More kicks to the midsection. Fired Moxley up. Moxley backdropped Danielson to the floor. Both men evaded tope suicidas, and that led to a brawl on the outside. So both men are on the outside. Big elbow strikes, uh, strikes doubled down. Then both were busted open. So both guys ended up bleeding. Moxley was bleeding everywhere. They traded some knee strikes to the midsection. Danielson hit a rolling elbow, and Moxley turned it into a rebound lariat. They fought on the top rope, and Brian hit a avalanche back suplex on Moxley. Looked fucking great. For two count, Danielson laid in some elbows before locking on a dragon sleeper. Moxley had to reach the ropes to force a break. Moxley then locked on a rear naked choke. He turned it into some repeated elbow strikes. He switched up to a cross arm breaker. Danielson turned it into a label lock until Moxley eventually reached the ropes. Both men were uh, grasping at each other and attempted to kick each other in the head. Moxley got the advantage and did so by applying a bulldog choke on Brian. Brian then cradled Moxley and hit a regal plex to break things up before landing the Busaiko knee for a near fall. Brian locked on a triangle sleeper and Moxley fought uh, out of this and rolled Danielson up for a trap pinfall that literally came out of nowhere. Crowd was shocked that the match ended when it did. The match was great. Brian and Moxley gave you a fucking fight. They bled. And it was a damn good hard-hitting affair. And everybody was wondering, what's going to happen now? Moxley beat Brian. Are they going to be on the same page? At the end of the match, Danielson got in the official's face. He could not believe the match was over. He thought he was cheated. He thought he was robbed. And security came out. Bryce Remsburg is calling for security because both of these guys are beating the shit out of each other. William fucking Regal comes out of nowhere He walks right by the stage. He's got that William Regal fucking scowl on his face. Crowd is legitimately going crazy. I jumped off my couch. I'm marked the fuck out. 
at the side of William Regal. He did not scream war games, if anybody's wondering. He should have, because that's what it really resembled in the ring with these two guys. Crowd is going crazy. Crowd is doing yes chants with William Regal showing up on Revolution tonight. He gets in the ring. He looks at John Moxley in the face. He slaps the fucking shit out of John Moxley. The skin off Moxley's face fucking jumped off the bone. He did the same thing to Brian. He then stands in the middle of them and tells each other to show each other respect and shake each other's hand. Soon as Moxley and Brian shook each other's hand, the crowd went fucking crazy with yes chants, and we have the newest super team in AEW, and I hope to God they're going to be led by William Regal. That is going to be fucking awesome. William Regal was announced by Tony Khan online on Twitter that he is signed with AEW and he got the official All Elite graphic. William Regal is now All Elite. I can't tell you how great of a signing William Regal is. I swear to God, man, all we need is Mauro Ronaldo and AEW is fucking set. Seriously. Bring Triple H over while you're at it, you know? What a, what a locker room presence William Regal's going to be, man. Can you imagine the fucking hugs and the camaraderie and the vibe backstage with everybody that's come over that was fired by WWE that were mentored and taught by William Regal? Can you imagine the fucking vibe backstage in AEW right now, tonight at Revolution, with William Regal being all elite? Out of all the signings that Tony Khan has gone out there and brought into AEW, William Regal may end up being the most important signing that Tony Khan has made in the three years of AEW. Not only does he give you a possible on-air role like he did in NXT, William Regal was heralded as the best GM, quote-unquote, on-air GM in all of WWE, one of the best on-air GMs in all of WWE history. He was fucking great in that role. Now, Tony Khan said that Dynamite doesn't need a GM, but if there's going to be a GM on Dynamite, you better fucking believe everybody wants a William Regal GM spot on Dynamite. I'm for it as well. They don't need it, but if there's going to be one guy, William Regal's that guy. The fucking tutelage and the knowledge and the presence that this man brings, all that young talent, molding that talent, having a a finger on the pulse like he did under Triple H, you know, if there's if there's a group of people that made NXT special like it was, made NXT the best wrestling promotion in the entire world, it was William Regal. You know, there's a lot of things that you think about when you think NXT. You think Triple H and his leadership and what he did. You think of all the fucking heart and soul and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, and all the great matches that they had, all those great takeovers. William Regal is as important as anybody in the entire lineage of NXT, and now he's in AEW. Can you imagine what he's going to do for Tony Khan and AEW? It it legitimately gives me chills. All the young talent that's there, that's still learning their way, that's going to be backstage with this man, presence. It's going to be unbelievable for everybody there. That's the type of guy you want to learn from. How many people came out on social media and praised William Regal? How many people came out and fucking cried that William Regal was fired? How could they? Now he's at Tony Khan's disposal. This is going to single-handedly be 
the one signing that is the most important to Tony Khan at the end of everybody he's signing. And I'm fucking thrilled that, A, we may be getting him back on TV in a TV role with Brian and Moxley, two guys that have been rich with history with William Regal there, mentored by William Regal. If there was any other way to debut William Regal, these guys got it right. This was perfect. Absolutely fucking perfect. I can't wait to see what he does. This match was great. And William Regal legitimately, honestly, his debut tonight was probably the best thing on the entire show, in my personal opinion. Can't wait to see what happens on Dynamite. Tornado Tag Team Match. Oh, my goodness. It was at this point in the show, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching, man? What what am I watching here? Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, Sting. Defeated the AHFO, Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy with Mark Quinn and Jose, the assistant for Andrade. This was a fucking spot fest, and it was fucking chaos, and I loved every minute of it, man. Every minute of it. At this point in the show, I'm like, what am I watching here? It was at this point in the show, I'm like, this is AEW's best show to date. Darby immediately took out Andrade. With one of his ridiculous topes. Ridiculous fucking topes. Sting dispatched Jose, the assistant, propping him up in a chair. And he put a trash can over Jose. And Darby fucking did one of his ridiculous suicide dives through the ropes and took out Jose while he was wearing that trash can. Andrade came back with a vicious chair shot on Darby right across the back of the head. And Andrade tossed Guevara. Then into the front row, Darby and Guevara suplexed Andrade. Hardy and Cassidy isolated Sting in the ring. Sting popped right up and took both guys out with trash can shots. Darby hit coffin splashes, and Guevara landed his double jump moonsault on Cassidy. Andrade planted Darby in the corner before Hardy hit a twist of fate on Guevara for a near fall. Andrade went for a springboard to the floor, but Darby sidestepped. Private Party worked together to attack Guevara, and they managed to hit Silly String over the outside ring barricade in the crowd. Hardy and Sting brawled into the crowd. Then all of a sudden, Butcher and Blade appeared there for the Hardy family office and started to attack Sting. So Butcher repeatedly swung Darby into a barricade, took him out, then Private Party had Guevara perched up on tables on the stage. This is where it got fucking crazy, man. Guevara fought back against Private Party, climbed up on the tunnel. They were standing legitimately on top of the fucking tunnel on the Revolution stage. So he's up there with Cassidy. They're brawling up top. There's tables down below stacked next to each other. And Sammy Guevara hits a fucking Spanish fly off the ramp, off the the tunnel on the ramp, through the tables. He missed one of the tables completely. Isaiah Cassidy looked like he hit his back of the head on the other table that did not break. Meanwhile, the other table that did break, they went right through it and landed, crashed right through the table and on the stage. Sammy Guevara has got a fucking death wish. He does one of these deals every single time. Yeah, I know you're fucking crazy, bro. Holy shit. That was sick. Crowd popped big for that. That wasn't even the craziest fucking thing in the match. That was pretty fucking crazy, but Sting said, hold my beer. Butcher and Blade started setting up a fucking plethora of tables here in the crowd. Sting was fired up. He fought them both off. 
He was eventually overwhelmed here by Andrade and Matt Hardy, who hit a low blow. Darby and Andrade fought on the tables. Hardy got the advantage, but collapsed because he was so fucking exhausted. He was so beat up. Sting, as he sees Andrade laying on the table here because of Darby, he jumps off the mezzanine. Sting, hair all crazy, makeup fucking all over the place. He jumps off the mezzanine and does a stinger splash through Andrade, through the tables, three tables stacked. Sting jumps off the mezzanine through Andrade, through these three tables. Crowd is going fucking crazy. Back in the ring, Darby hit a scorpion death drop on Matt Hardy, threw some chairs, followed by a coffin drop that barely connected. His head hit Matt Hardy's ribs. Matt Hardy was rolling away. And he was rolling further away from Darby. Darby just could not make the length of this coffin drop. He barely hit it, but he got the one, two, three. This match was fucking chaos, man. I loved it. I loved every bit of this. It went 13 minutes. It was nonstop action. Sammy Guevara almost fucking killed himself with a Spanish fly off the tunnel, off the top of the tunnel, through the ramp uh, and the tables. Sting jumping off fucking mezzanines at 60 years old. I mean, it's it's like Sting thinks he's 30 teaming with Darby Allen. It's a great thing to see. This was great. This was great. Crowd absolutely went fucking bonkers for this, man. All over the place, and it did its job. Awesome stuff. And we got Sting, Sammy, and Darby winning the match. I, I guess that little tension that Sammy and Darby had at the end of the Rampage Triple Threat, that shit was thrown out the fucking window, man. We didn't see any of that shit tonight. And they got the job done against the Hardy family office. Main event, the AEW Championship. Adam Page versus Adam Cole. This is for the AEW World Title. And a lot of people were not really high on Adam Cole as the number one contender for the AEW Championship. I didn't really mind it. There was really nobody else that made sense in this role. And Adam Cole is going to be a future AEW champion. It's just going to take some time. Can't put him at the top of the card. Can't put him at the top of the spot there for the AEW Championship right away. Can't make him champion right away because he's he's relatively new. It feels like he just got here. And you don't want to take the title off of Adam Page too quickly because Adam Page, believe it or not, he's had some really damn good fucking matches. With Brian, you guys know the two matches that they had, Lance Archer. This is his his real first pay-per-view title defense. You don't want to take it off of him in his real first pay-per-view title defense. Adam Cole made sense. Adam Cole was undefeated. And they're all going to tie this storyline into the return of Kenny Omega and the inner breakdown of the elite with the Undisputed Era guys and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. It's all going to come to a head. Adam Cole doesn't need the world championship for that. There's no reason to take the championship over Adam Page to put it on Cole when the big story here is the internal turmoil of the elite breaking down. Who's going to lead the elite? Who's doing what? Who's who's betraying who? Who's uh, turning their backs on who? You don't need the world championship for that. So there's no reason to take it off Page. But the match itself was great. Adam Page is incredible. Adam Cole, you guys know how I feel about Adam Cole, one of the best ring ring performers in the world. Easily top five. So the crowd was both pro Cole and Page. They were dueling, let's go, Adam, Adam sucks chance. Nobody knew who they were talking about, but it was Orlando. They were having a good time. At the end of the match, 
they were uh, they were really split legitimately on who they wanted to win. This was a a really 50-50 split as far as crowd reaction goes. So Cole, he laid in some forearms right at the top. He was yelling at Paige, kind of taunting him and berating him. Paige dropkicked Cole out to the floor, sent him into the barricade. Cole was in control. He avoided a lariat, sent Paige's arm hard into the ring post. So that's one of the stories here. Let's take out the buckshot lariat. Cole had that well in his plan. So he sent Paige into the steel steps next. They're back in the ring. He had a Yushi Garoshi, planted Paige with a spinning slam. Every time Paige started to make some comebacks here, Cole would cut him off. And Cole hits a faint kick and look for Panama Sunrise. Paige booted him. He followed up with a springboard lariat and an absolutely brutal fucking apron powerbomb that I don't know how Adam Cole got up and began to walk around, man. It sounded like a fucking shotgun blast with that apron powerbomb. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Adam Cole is one tough son of a bitch after that apron powerbomb. So Adam Page followed up with his moonsault off the top rope to the outside after that apron powerbomb. Back in the ring now, Cole rolled out of the way of a buckshot lariat. Page was able to hit a Liger bomb for two. Jim Ross asked Excalibur, what's the difference between a powerbomb and a Liger bomb, he says. And Excalibur gave him the definition, and Jim Ross was like, I just wanted to uh, test the young buck. So there you go. They were having a little little fun on commentary there between uh, Jim Ross and Excalibur. Page was able to hit the Liger bomb. They fought on the top rope, and uh, this was a great spot where Cole reversed Page's top rope moonsault with a perfectly timed superkick. You guys remember the Adam Cole-Ricochet match at TakeOver? I forgot which TakeOver it was. I think it was maybe Phoenix. He did that moonsault. Off the second rope, and Adam Cole hit the, the super kick mid-moonsault on Ricochet. Same spot, only with Paige coming off the top rope, doing a moonsault off the top rope. Perfectly executed super kick to Adam Page's face. Awesome. So Cole then started to uh, tune up the HBK band super kick. Page hit the dead eye for a near fall. They went back and forth with some strikes in the middle of the ring. It was Brooklyn. That was Brooklyn? Takeover Brooklyn was Cole and Ricochet? I don't know. Was it? Yes, it was Takeover Brooklyn 4. Yes, you guys are right. Yeah. Takeover Brooklyn 4. Awesome match, man. Man, do I wish I could go back in time to those shows. Now we're getting those Takeover shows, as far as uh, I'm concerned, in AEW. They're just as good. They're just longer. So, after that, after that, Deadeye, Super Kick. Lariat to a, uh, Cole turned a follow-up Lariat into a crossface, forcing Page to reach to the ropes. So uh, Page countered a Yushi Garoshi, hit a Tombstone pile driver for two. There was a lot of matches that executed a Tombstone pile driver. Punk did a Tombstone, Thunder Rosa did a Tombstone, Page did a Tombstone. Maybe everybody's getting in the uh, the Hall of Fame spirit with the Undertaker. But how many Tombstones do we have to see? Net near falls. It's the Undertaker's finishing move. It shouldn't be done and used so leniently. That was my only takeaway from all these tombstone spots. Why is everybody using the fucking tombstone tonight? Maybe they're in WrestleMania spirit, man. I don't know. So he did the tombstone. And after that, they were going at each other. One after another with some strikes. Page hit a German. Cole hit another Yushi Garoshi. Cole wanted a Panama Sunrise, but Page met him at the top rope. Hit a beautiful moonsault power slam off the top that Page on on uh, Adam Cole for a two count. 
Red Dragon run out. Cole used this distraction to super kick Page before hitting the Panama Sunrise on the floor, which only got two. Red Dragon distracted the official, allowing Cole to low blow Adam Page, hit the Panama Sunrise, lower the boom, and he only got a two count. But Excalibur called it out on commentary. He lowered the boom, but he did not lower his knee pad for the full execution of the knee strike. So I love that they call that out. Cole then hit repeated super kicks. Page countered the boom into a lariat. Cole countered the buckshot into a super kick before hitting two more super kicks. Page then collapsed face first to the mat, and it was the only way for him to evade the finishing move by Adam Cole. He was going to lower the boom again, but one of the simplest ways to get out of uh, Adam Cole's finishing move is to just fall face first onto the mat, and that's exactly what Page did. It ended up working out in his favor. Red Dragon set up a table at ringside. They took the timekeeper's table and moved it over to the uh, ring apron side. And Page hit a dead eye on Adam Cole through the table. He actually took more of the dead eye than Cole did. I thought he actually busted his knee up on the fall through the table executing this move. So then the Dark Order ran out to come check on Adam Page. And they got into a big brawl with Red Dragon. They chased O'Reilly and Fish up the ramp. Page hit the buckshot. Cole got his hand on the rope after a pinfall attempt, and that stopped the referee's count. Page used his belt. He took off his belt and tied Cole to the top rope with his belt, just as Cole had done to Page at Dynamite last week, where where Page was tied up by Cole with duct tape. So he returned the favor here using his belt and tied up Adam Cole on top of the ring rope. He laid in some thrust kicks before running into one from Cole, He then freed himself. Page hit a thrust kick, lowered the boom on Adam Cole. So he used Adam Cole's finishing move on himself. And then he hit the buckshot lariat, and that was it. And Adam Page wins and retains the AEW championship. After the match, Page acknowledged Cole and posed with the belt. So there is some friendly respect there between Page and Cole, being that there is uh, a lot of history there. And Adam Page wins and retains the world championship. This was a great main event. This was a uh, very highly contested and hard-fought main event. And the right outcome is Adam Page winning the match and retaining the championship. I would have been okay with Adam Cole winning the championship, but I don't think Adam Cole needs the world championship right now. I'm very very much impressed with uh, Adam Cole any day of the week. But Adam Page, he needs some big victories like this, man. He does, and this was a nice, big victory for Adam Page. He got victories over Brian. He has that time limit draw, that one-hour Broadway draw with Brian. He beat Brian in the rematch. He beat Lance Archer in a fucking hellacious Texas death match. He beats Adam Cole. For anybody that says Adam Page is having a very lackluster title run, I mean, I don't know what you're watching or how you're feeling that way or why you're feeling that way, but Adam Page right now is doing his thing as world champion. And I'm loving the way he's booked. This gave him a little bit more credibility. This gave him a little bit more of a stronger reign. And I'm very interested to see where they're going with him next, going into Double or Nothing. It could be MJF. It could legitimately be anybody. But I'm very intrigued at the possibility of Adam Page versus CM Punk for the World Championship. I really am. And I honestly do think at some point this year, Punk is going to win the World Championship and eventually drop it to MJF in their third and final encounter, getting MJF not only the victory, but getting the rubber match victory and the world championship. 
This was an incredible pay-per-view. This was an incredible pay-per-view. AEW's best pay-per-view to date. I feel like we say that a little bit too often. I feel like we say it every time AEW is a pay-per-view. And, and, the, and the funny thing is, guys, you see how WWE does their pay-per-view. They have the WWE Network at $4.99 on Peacock. You know, you sign up for Peacock, and you're going to get exactly what you're paying for. You're going to get $4.99's worth and $4.99 quality pay-per-view. Tony Khan is charging $50 a pop for Revolution. And their pay-per-views happen four times a year. You can see the difference in quality that Tony Khan produces pay-per-view compared to WWE. Honestly, in my eyes, Tony Khan and AEW are doing pay-per-view the way that pay-per-view needs to be done. And tonight was every bit of that. Nothing, nothing, nothing can stop AEW on pay-per-view. Truly. Anytime they have a show, you know it's going to be something special. And at the end of the day, I'd say this was a 9 out of 10 show with the only down, uh, thumbs down for me, and the only uh, down spot, surprisingly, and, and sad, and I know they'll bounce back from it, but the worst match of the night was probably Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. I, I just didn't think they had a good performance tonight. And hopefully that changes going into Texas where Thunder Rosa hopefully will win the Women's Championship in her hometown against Britt Baker. But guys, listen, that is the AEW Revolution post-show. I Again, I appreciate y'all sticking with me. Uh, we had some technical difficulties before. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't. And um, we were back live. I lost some of my audience. I gained some of it back. We had 3,300. We ended up sticking with 2,500. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Again, I can't help the technical difficulties, so I apologize about that again. And we're live. Shit happens, man. Shit happens. But we ended strong. And I'm very happy with what we did tonight on the post show right here on Off The Script. We're going to read your Super Chats in just a second, guys. Follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for all notifications. And make sure you guys go check out my sponsor for today's show, Audible, audibletrial.com slash scripts. That's 30 days free of this service and one free audiobook of your choice. Micah with a $4.99 at Super Chat. Wanted to see the show at the theater tonight, but couldn't because I had to work tonight instead. It's okay, though. AEW will be here in San Antonio, Texas in two weeks. And you're going to get Thunder Rosa winning that world championship, brother. Enjoy it. D. Bastardo with a $5 Super Chat was at the pay-per-view crazy crowd. WWE math in AEW. Loss Wednesday. Win on Sunday. Baker, baby. We can go to your spot. Tennessee Beer House. Appreciate you. Taking the bet, brother. Thank you, best Ardo. Sounds like you've been having too much cold beverages tonight, bro. Joseph Taylor. Thank you so much, man, with the $5 Super Chat. Revolution, 10 out of 10. Sting doing what he did is the reason why he's my childhood hero since the age of 13. Bro, Sting continues to amaze, man. Tony Schiavone almost popped the blood vessel calling that fucking spot by Sting jumping off the goddamn mezzanine. Marcus Gunn with a $5 Super Chat. JD, they might as well cancel WrestleMania this year after what AEW did tonight. They are not beating them at all. 
Well, Tony Khan gave you WrestleMania before we actually got to Dallas, Texas. There's no way WWE on night one or night two is going to top what Revolution did tonight. No way. Jay Coyle, nights like tonight truly make me proud to be a fan of professional wrestling with the $5 in UK Super Chat. Jay, I feel the same exact way, man. Melvin007, the match order was a lot better for this pay-per-view. I agree. The match order was perfect. And sometimes you can't help it, man. You know, the beginning of that show, the first three matches, they were so good. And it honestly kind of felt like the Jade and Tay match was thrown in there, number four, to kind of be a come-down match. But the ladies did a decent job. Then we go to MJF and CM Punk. And then we go to Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. It seemed like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker got the death spot. It wasn't even their fault. It's just that everything else before it was so fucking good. You know? But they're going to get their main event. They're going to get their moment on Dynamite. And it's going to be awesome for Rosa. Zach JD with a 999 Super Chat. Here I am thinking there's no way they'll outdo all out or full gear. Then Revolution happens at this point. Match of the night is just going to be subject to opinion. What is WrestleMania? Bro, if I was to pick a match of the night, honestly, I'm doing the tag team title match and Jericho Eddie Kingston. For some reason, those two matches honestly just stick out to me. We got my boy James with a $2 Super Chat. OTS family, it's been a while. What's everyone drinking tonight? I don't know, man. I'm going to need a couple of fucking shots before I go to bed, man. I'm fucking wound up. This fucking stream died. Middle of my stream. Stressful getting this shit back up, man. Not a happy camper right now. Brandon Jefferson with a uh, $4.99 Super Chat. I need to be in a dog collar match with Britt Baker. Hee hee. What a show, though. My first pay-per-view with AEW, but certainly not the last. How can WWE compete, man? Creatively, bro, they can't. They can't. MGM Ballin with an I-9 denied Super Chat. Oh, my God, JD. Just leaving the arena now, and I cannot get over what was probably one of the greatest nights ever. Definitely the best show I've ever been to by a country mile. Anyways, just wanted to pop in for a second. Thank you, Ballin' with a 999 Super Chat. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself, man. The energy seemed like it was fucking crazy in that arena tonight. Munchie time with a 999 Super Chat. Fun pay-per-view tonight. Only complaint is the length, but it's understandable since these shows happen quarterly. Surprise, all the blood and guts tonight. Five out of five tacos with sour cream. Listen, man, you know, the I, the only thing I wish, the length is fine. If they're going to give us the quality that they usually give us, like tonight, the length is fine. I just wish that they, start, they, that they would start these shows at 7 o'clock. So we can get out of here at a little earlier of an hour, you know? Brian Jaffe with a $5 Super Chat. Love the new championship belts. They look like real titles, not the kindergarten art projects that WWE has for the Universal and WWE Championships. AEW got some pretty fucking nice belts, man. I will say that myself. Unique Butterfly with a 10 in Super Chat. Coming from lifelong WWE faithful. Tonight's show was one of the best pay-per-view shows I've seen in many years. Vince is biting his nails now. I bet he is real nervous now. Uh, Butterfly, I don't think Vince is nervous. I don't think Vince gives a shit, to be quite honest with you. 
But I'll be here to tell you guys exactly what's going on with WWE, and there is no way that a that AEW will be topped with this show. WrestleMania is happening in about four weeks. There's no way WWE is topping AEW with WrestleMania. None. You got your WrestleMania tonight, man. Enjoy it. JP5150, this show was like a tidal wave in pro wrestling form. I can honestly say Revolution was redeemed after last year. I'm having a celebratory Allagash Triple L. Listening to OTS, the source of truth. JP, thank you so much, brother. This show was definitely a fucking tidal wave. Unique Butterfly with another 10 in Super Chat. The only thing I had a problem with is the Bleacher Report app. I can't stand it. I like Fight TV better as a stream service. Otherwise, great pay-per-view. I want to also note that I'm heavily invested in Wardlow. He's freaking awesome. You know, Butterfly, I had Jesse actually tell me the Bleacher Report app was fucking bullshit as well. It was freezing on him. It was uh, skipping and stuttering. I don't use Fight TV. I don't use Bleacher Report. I just go through traditional pay-per-view means. I actually order the pay-per-view on Verizon. And then they fuck me over. By cutting my internet out for no reason. And Wardlow is awesome, man. I am becoming more and more of a fan of Wardlow, man. It's one of my favorite things on TV right now, is Wardlow. Jedi Joker, $5 Super Chat. 11 out of 10 for the pay-per-view. Literally everything on this show hyped me up, especially the Wardlow turn. Who better than TK? Vince, take notes. Hashtag OTS for life. I give it a 9 out of 10, man. The only blemish to me was the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match. Brandon James Shea with a $2 Super Chat. AW Revolution was amazing. Bushi Clementine with a $10 Super Chat. Only have one gripe. Punk Max should have been just pre-main event. Crowd was nuclear for it. They noticeably died until the main. Moxie Bryan would have been better in that place, in my opinion. It doesn't matter, bro. That place became unglued when William Regal came out. It doesn't matter. 813 Car Guy with a $20 Super Chat. Just leaving the show now, and wow, what a night. Bravo, AEW. Bro, you had had an amazing weekend, I see, bro. You had Rampage. You were at Revolution tonight. You got the whole AEW fucking trifecta this weekend. Dynamite, Rampage, and Revolution, man. What a, what a week for you guys. DT247 with a 449 in UK Super Chat. Hey, JD and OTS gang, great show. Been a fan of yours for years. Had to show some support. Keep pushing. Love from the UK. Thank you, DT. My boy, Choval TV with a 20 in Super Chat. What's up, brother? Hopefully life is treating you well, man. I remember meeting you in Vegas, bro. My man, JD, it's been a while. Went to see the pay-per-view at the AMC Movie Theater. It was freaking amazing. I know we both thought about Cole vs. Ricochet when Cole superkicked Paige upside down. Miss you, brother. See you in Vegas. I mentioned it here, man. It's the first thing I thought about when I seen that superkick from Cole on Paige off that moonsault. I hope to be in Vegas. Supposedly, there's a House of Glory show happening that weekend. I hope not. I would love to be in Vegas again. Tommy Brannigan with a five in Super Chat. Best damn pay-per-view by AEW, and that match by CM Punk and MJF was amazing. JD OTS for life. Thank you, Tommy. Yes, CM Punk and MJF killed it. 
MJF continues to churn out classics, man. He should be very proud of himself. And CM Punk, man, what a, what a fucking return. Seriously. Less than a year in, and Punk is already fucking a master. He was always a master. But has regained that fucking... That, that feeling that everything he does is just going to be fucking important, man. Everything he does is going to be great. So awesome to see. Phil Smith with a Australia $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? What a show. MJF is either going to take the TNT title away from Wardlow or the title match itself. Nuclear heat incoming. He is going to uh, he's gonna fuck over uh, Wardlow. Yeah. He really is. And I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. John A. with a 199 in Super Chat. Where were you when The Undertaker debuted? I was living at home with my parents, man. 1989? I was seven years old. Probably watching the Survivor Series live with my father in the living room. Hoyt Reynaldo with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, fire pay-per-view. How would you use William Regal and will MJF fire Wardlow? Yes, MJF is going to fire Wardlow and Wardlow is going to start his babyface ascent. And William Regal, obviously pair him with Moxley and Bryan. Have him be their manager. And if William Regal wants to take a role as GM on TV, he's the only guy I would accept in that role. Plus the backstage producing and the mentoring... He's a valuable asset, man. He's going to be a very valuable asset. Kern Cluck with a 199 Super Chat. Punk is ripping WWE a new one right now at the scrum. Is he? I don't know why he's ripping WWE a new one. What the fuck did they do to him now? What is he upset about? I'll read all that shit tomorrow morning. See Salisbury with a 999 Super Chat. Took my 11-year-old son to see his first AEW pay-per-view in theaters tonight. What an incredible experience. Great vibes, and the show was off the charts tonight. I'm high on life, brother. That's what usually happens when pro wrestling is as great as it was tonight, man. I'm glad everybody could celebrate and enjoy what was a tremendous pay-per-view. Raymond... Raymond Jimenez with a 499 Super Chat. Great show. William Regal had me... Super excited. Hopefully you decide to make vids on WW2K to get the viewers. Leave a like for my guy, JD. Yes, hit that thumbs up, guys. As always, always hit the thumbs up. Listen to Raymond. And I don't know if I'm getting 2K yet, man. I don't know if I'm getting 2K yet. Just not really there mentally, and the interest is not there. Jimmy Belenko with an Australia $10 Super Chat. I'm a huge AEW fan, so I'm not trying to be a troll, but what do you think of TK getting into Vince's worst habits, like ghosting Chavo and not following up on contract signing for Paige Van Zandt? Card is subject to change, brother. Card is subject to change. I think what Tony Khan did was lay out a great show. He'll probably save that for Wednesday. No big deal. And ghosting Shavo, Shavo was never really an AEW employee, man. He was brought in to do uh, a couple of one-offs, and that's it. Everybody complaining, and he's complaining that he got taken off the roster page. So what? He was never actually part of the fucking roster. He came in. It didn't work out. Tony Khan got rid of him. And he took him off the roster page. 
I don't see the big deal. Kyle Owens with a 999 Super Chat. Love the show, Jay. You've been listening for a while and decided to give AEW a try a few months ago, and I'm glad I did. Revolution Tonight was my first AEW pay-per-view to watch, and it was absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Kyle. I always appreciate you, man. My boy Daryl with a 500 bomb. I'm glad we got back to being live, man. I didn't want to let this one slip. 500 in Super Chat from Sith Negan. In case anyone didn't know, Brian Danielson has been training with Jade Cargill behind the scenes, and you can tell it's paying off. I think Jade Cargill should add Lex Luger's human torture rack and backbreaker as her submission finishes to go along with her totally jaded glam slam pinning finisher. JD is number one, hashtag the enemy design. I like that, Daryl. I like I like Jade incorporating that Lex Luger torture rack into her. Arsenal. I think that would look great if she did it. Thank you for the bomb, brother. You don't have to do that ever. I appreciate you, man. You are a VIP lifer here, man. Thank you so much. Clinton Jackson with a $10 super chat. The latter match was gratifying and ironic as WWE people always seem to complain about the size of wrestlers. Well, AEW showed them off. Hobbs, Wardlow, Lee, hell, even Luchasaurus. All athletic big men. Hobbs had a great night. Wardlow had a great night. Keith Lee had a great night. Luchasaurus had a fantastic night. I thought what he did was awesome in that tag team match. Man, he looked really, really slick, smooth, and impressive. Jared Ford with a $5 super chat. Sure got fed this weekend. Sacrifice from Saturday Revolution tonight. Two really great shows. Appreciate all the work. You're doing JD. It's going to be a brand new week, man, next week. Hopefully we don't have any fucking internet problems. Indico with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, much respect. Revolution 2022 was one of the greatest AW pay-per-views so far. Not the greatest AW pay-per-view. This was our WrestleMania, another awesome live stream. Thank you, Indigo. I think this was AEW's best show to date. Their best show to date, in my honest opinion. The best starter with a $2 Super Chat. Best use of Sting in 25 years. You the man, brother. Bro, Sting is absolutely fucking unreal. Never in my wildest dreams would I see Sting doing what he did tonight in 2022. Nobody. Nobody thought about it. Man of a thousand five holes with a $5 Super Chat. Thanks for coming back on. You're incredible with your passion for wrestling. Best AEW pay-per-view since All Out 2021. This was our WrestleMania. 10 out of 10. I had to come back on here, man. I was not going to sleep if I did not come back on here. Leo Gallimara with a fire-all super chat. Adam Page wore rainbow colors on his attire to oppose the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Former high school teacher. That's cowboy shit. I did not know the story behind that. Awesome. Omni Entertainment with a five in UK Super Chat. I want these e-drones to say Regal wasn't any good now, that he's all elite. Hope to see great things with Swerve. AEW is only going up, bro. William Regal. Who's to say William Regal doesn't have any say in the new Ring of Honor, man? If, if Tony Khan is getting a Ring of Honor started back up, who's to say William Regal doesn't have a say in that? What a signing. That and Swerve. Spirit of the Wolf with a $5 Super Chat. I appreciate your honesty, JD. Whether it's WWE or AEW, I wouldn't have it any other way. You always get honesty from me, man. Always. No matter what. It's just that uh, this is a good honest. 
WWE is also a good honest too, but they suck. Gavin Deeth with an Australia $5 Super Chat. I know this might sound terrible, but Sting could probably still go when he gets to 93 and nobody would be mad. Well, I hope uh, I hope he's uh, around to live long enough to 93. But no, he will not be doing that at 93, man. Let's enjoy it while we got it. Matt Phillips reviews with a $5 Super Chat. We were there live. This was an amazing show. Matt Wardlow after the show. Great birthday week for me. Keep up the fine work, my friend. Thank you. Mr. Matt Phillips. Og Shingo with a 4.99 in UK. Regal was one of Moxley's biggest supporters in WWE. Their feud in FCW is considered to be the best pre-NXT feud. Moxley and AEW and New Japan shits on Dean Ambrose. I can't wait to see what they do with Regal, Moxley, and Brian, man. They they got my interest immediately. With him coming to television. Mono Floyd with 2,500 in Chilean pesos. Can we all appreciate how much Adam Page has improved since the BTE days? Adam Page is fucking great. He's awesome. Jedi Joker, $5 Super Chat. Do you think if Bobby the Brain Heenan was still around, him and Moro would have been a good commentary team? Absolutely, man. Moro's the best in the business. And Bobby the Brain Heenan is the best color commentator of all time. Nobody will ever top Bobby Heenan. Mad Action becomes a new member. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking? Welcome to the VIP lounge, man. No smoking, though. There's no smoking in the VIP lounge, man. Only uh, cold beverages served. Brandon James Shea, AEW's 10 out of 10. Roxas, 1969, re-ups for four months. JD, at this point, WWE might as well just walk away from Mania. Mania is going to be my biggest live stream of the year, man. Both nights. If Verizon doesn't fuck me with the internet. Joseph Taylor with a $5 super chat. Well, Jesse is going to get his ass kicked now after what happened to Thunder tonight. Riley Johnson with a 199 Super Chat. I want to see Colin Punk in a feud. I'd like to see that myself. It will happen eventually. When? I don't know. Riley Johnson with another $49.99 in Super Chat. Thank you, Riley. Mad action with a $5 Super Chat. I was at the show. Wish you were there, bro. Thanks for your review and honesty. It was a fantastic show. I wish I was there, too. Hopefully I can make it to Vegas. Rent the Airbnb and walk the fucking uh, Vegas Strip with one of them big uh, guitar uh, beverages, man. I'll be playing the guitar and drinking and sipping uh, on my way to Zach Bagan's museum, bro. Hopefully I can make it out there. I really, 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 really want to go. I do. And I'm kind of jealous that everybody was at the post-show scrum and I wasn't there, man. I needed to get another Nick Houseman. Well, you had a lot of viewers. Who are you? I'm JD, bitch. You know who I am. Didn't you block me on social media? So funny, man. Nick Houseman was standing behind me at the post-show scrum for All Out. I had like 5,500 people watching me stream it. 
And he asks who I am. You know who I am, bro. Shut the fuck up. Issa, yes. Yes. We walk in the strip with beverages all day. Golden boy with a $5 in super chat. Don't stress, brother. You can't control certain things. You rock no matter what. Just remember the OTS family loves you. Respect your hard work, man. Thank you, Golden Boy. Uh, I'm going to be angry not because of the internet, because I'm such a fucking perfectionist. feel like my stream just got cut in half, man. That's what happens when you uh, live with this brain, man. You want everything to be perfect, especially in presentation, man. If anything is off and nothing it, it, you know, goes the way it should and... The quality of it is off. It bothers me, man. It's going to bother me till tomorrow night, and I do raw. Shakoy with a $5 super chat. Just came from the arena, and I have to say, I had a blast tonight. It's something that I'll never forget. AEW is better than WWE. Hashtag OTS for life. I appreciate you, Shakoy. Thank you very much, man. Guys, that's all I got for you, man. We uh, we we went long, man. We went near three hours here. 20 minutes of it was uh, cut from the fucking stream because I actually had my internet cut. So, again, I apologize for you guys. And uh, hopefully this will not happen tomorrow night when I'm live for Monday Night Raw, which I will be back live for Monday Night Raw. Took the week off last week to chill with uh, my friend in Atlantic City. And um, we'll be back tomorrow night. Should be a good show. Got Edge and Styles at WrestleMania. See what happens with uh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. Maybe Steve Austin makes an appearance. Don't know what's going on with him. The whole Cody Rhodes rumor thing is uh, heating up again. Is he going to WWE? What's going on with the talks? Is he going back to AEW? We'll figure it out, man. But I'll be live tomorrow night in the venue as always for Monday Night Raw. And you guys know what time it is, man. I'm about to get out of here. Jump in the Mustang. And get the hell out of here, bro. I appreciate you guys sticking with me, even through the technical difficulties. Really means a lot to me. And I'm glad you enjoyed the stream tonight, as I thought AEW gave us their best show and their best pay-per-view to date. Awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you guys again. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 1741 as far as the likes go. Can we get to 2,000 likes? Can we get to 2,000 likes? If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, please do that. Really, really helps me out. Thank you to all the Super Chats. Thank you to Daryl for the big $500 bomb to get everybody started tonight. Thank you to all the new members that joined the VIP Lounge. Again, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206, Twitter and Instagram. Shout out to Audible. Go check out Audible, audibletrial.com slash scripts. 30 days free of your service and one free audio book of your choice. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire is the place. Bonfire.com. The exclusive home of Off the Scripts. 
And if you missed anything that I uploaded this week, man, on the channel, it's all on the homepage. Go and check it out. Off the scripts. Episode 418 and 419 on there, as well as the live streams for Wednesday's Dynamite and Friday's SmackDown. I will see you guys back in the venue on Monday for Raw. I'll be live after Monday Night Raw, but I need two things for you guys because you know what's coming up, man. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, those Mustang emojis if you got them. And I need that music on max. Thank you guys for a great live stream tonight. And I will see you all tomorrow night for Monday Night Raw right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.